Radio Universe. It's a new day. Yes, it is. I am Vaughn Johnson. You got me mad now. You know, you got a bicycle. Feeling good. For all the st- skeptics and all the people have a little bit of... Let me do this again. Oh, it's live, pal. Sorry. We ride the bicycle in this arena. With my man, man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. That's me. I don't know where the kid is that was riding it, but he ain't on it when they brought it to the ring. Smile at you and kick your face off. I'm down with that. Kick your But I don't like it when things are going my way. Don't you dare be sour! He don't know nothing else. <laughs> you know that wrestling, right, he know that wrestling, bro. <laughs> give me a hell yeah! I said give me a hell yeah! What's up, ladies and gentlemen, out there in internet land, and welcome to episode 269 of The Straight Shooters. My name is Vaughn Johnson, and I'm joined as always by my main man, Pots and Pans, Nick Bacone of Philly Voice and Philly Influencer, and we got yet another fantastic show ahead of us on this episode of The Straight Shooters, like I mentioned earlier, 269. I know some people are like, whoa, there's two episodes this week, what's going on? Well, we had a Patreon episode yesterday, that was episode 268, that came out earlier this week. And it was dope. We did Extreme Rules 2011. It was a Patreon request. And we told you all to go on Patreon and submit your request. And we will fulfill that request. And we did so on episode 268. That's why we did Extreme Rules 2011. So if you, yourself, want to have your request fulfilled, head over to Patreon, patreon.com, slash radio, submit the nominal fee, and we will fulfill that request. But this here episode... It's all on our own. We get this all on our own. No Patreon this time. We're doing it because it's happened literally 30 years ago yesterday. As we record this on January 20th, 1991. Well, January 20th, 2021, I should say. The show took place on January 19th, 1991. That is the 1991 Royal Rumble, of course. And before we deep dive into that, let me do my check-in with my main man, Pots and Pants, Nick Bacone. How you doing tonight, my good brother? It's a new day, baby. And uh, mm-hmm. what a day today has been. And uh, ready to cap it off with my first ever Royal Rumble that I watched. And I watched it live. So um, brought, brought me back. Brought me back 30 years almost to the day. You know, I watch this event every year. And uh, it doesn't matter. I still pick up some things when, when I'm watching it for the, these deep dives and I still pick up certain things that I haven't in my past 30 years of watching it. So uh, looking forward to diving deep into the Royal Rumble 91 and uh, congratulations, Joe Biden. Yeah, it's a very uh, interesting show to, to deep dive on given what just happened today and that's yeah. the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States, Joseph R. Biden. And of course, the very first uh female vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. Uh, so it's a historic day in our country, the United States. I know if you're overseas, you probably know because our politics are have been worldwide mm. topic over the last couple. I mean, I always typically, yes. but especially recently. Um, but yes, it was it was a historic day. Was, um, you know, a lot of great stuff happened today and a lot of people are sad today, too. And, you know, mm. they have to just be sad about it. But a lot of people are happy today. And uh, but this show, like I said, it's kind of interesting timing that we were deep diving on this show because mm-hmm. there's a lot of patriotism surrounding this show. We're going to talk all about it. But, yeah, it's inauguration day, man. January 20th, 2021, a day that the uh, 
Everybody thought it was going to be some massive thing, and it was very, uh, very simple, straight to the point. Yeah, and pretty much uh, what an inauguration day is meant to be. <laughs> right, Not very uneventful. <laughs> like <laughs> you know, people say some th- stuff. There it, was a de- there's a dope poem said today. Yeah, uh, by I forget the the young lady's name off the top of my head now, but uh, it was really really dope poem. Mm. Uh, she was only 22 years old up there saying that, that yeah, poem. Incredible, but, incredible. Right. I didn't. I wasn't doing that when I was twenty-two. I tell you that much. Um, saying poems at inaugurations. Yeah. Amanda, uh, but Amanda Gorman. There you go, Amanda Gorman. Yeah. So shout out to her. Uh, but uh, again, this show, uh, very interesting timing that we're deep diving into it on this special day. And again, like I said, n- nothing, sp- nothing crazy, no frills. Obviously, it's a pandemic, so you didn't see too many people there, uh, like a normal uh, inauguration. And then Joe Biden got right to work, signed some executive orders, and off we go. <laughs> like, yeah, <we> yep. <laughs> business as usual. He declared his entrance and in, entrance into the 2021 Royal Rumble. He, he did a lot. To I that. mean, he might as well because <laughs> why not? That's a before we dig into this deep dive. That's the dumbest, laziest thing that WWE has probably done. I don't know in how long. Just people just saying, "I'm in." That's it. <laughs> they don't have to qualify. They don't even do like the thing where like people are eligible, but they draw the numbers. They just say "I'm in," and that's right, it. Yeah. I declare. It's like what? That's I just lazy, declare bankruptcy. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just that's just lazy. Yeah. You could easily have qualifying matches on TV every can, week. That and you can easily explain it if you if you don't want to have those matches. Just be like, oh, they met with you know Adam Pierce and. Um, they allowed them to enter the Royal Rumble. So, like, or like you can have simple. like you got people autom- like automatic bid type of thing where like if you're a former Royal Rumble winner, you're in. Mm-hmm. If you have yeah. been a participant, maybe in the past, you, you probably qualify. Or if you, if you've been in the Final Four in the past, you qualify automatically. Or if you won it in the past, or if you're a former World Champion, you're you qualify like mm-hmm. something like that. You can have an automatic bid process, have, like, but that's just tag team matches and put two singles together and be like, yeah. hey, the winner is getting to the Rumble or you know. exactly it, something create, just, creatively. It would be nice, you know, than what we're getting right now. And it's not even hard to do. No. It's not even like a super creative idea. And then you make your matches on TV feel like they have consequences to them, like they feel like they have weight now because. Yeah. A spot in the Royal Rumble is at stake. And what would they start doing that back in like the Attitude Era? Really, is when they I don't remember ever they had ever doing qualifying Royal qualifying matches. It was they had qualifying the matches. They had qualifying matches recently. They've had like Royal Rumble or yeah. Money in the Bank and Kicking the Ring qualifying matches. Yeah. I do remember those as well. Uh, but just to saying, I declare this is that's just whack that's just lazy yeah that's super lazy i agree you're better off just not even announcing who's in it beforehand i'm not saying they want to promote (laughs) people but just i'd rather be i just let me be surprised by everybody then don't i declare for the the beginning of the pay-per-view where vincent man lists off every participant (laughs) pretty much just like we did back in the day in 1991 (laughs) why not yeah so you 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 said you watched this show live back in 1991 you were i'm sure very young Yes. Uh, do you recall anything about that day watching the show? Yeah, um, it, I was home in my South Philly home. Uh, first time watching the Royal Rumble. I never, uh, by this point, I hadn't even watched like previous Royal Rumbles. So 
I was really happy they kept explaining the rules. You know, it seems like nowadays it's like, why do they keep doing that? But it's like, you know, if somebody's watching it for the first time, even in 2021, you're probably going to still have people watch it for the first time. You got to, you got to know the rules. So um, they were very explicit. I understood what was going on. It was easy to follow. It's like, okay, you go over the top rope, hit the floor, you're you're done. Uh, there was no handstands. It, there was no. Not saying I don't enjoy that, but. This rumble match, it was like clear cut, like you're eliminated, you go over the top rope. There was nobody trying to, you know, do these crazy things. There was no announce table by ringside, so they can jump on there and still be in the match and, and try and jump on the apron from there. So easy to follow, clear cut. And uh, Hulk Hogan won with, spoiler alert, which, you know, he was the biggest guy other than Ultimate Warrior at the time. So, you know, as a kid watching it, I was happy, you know, happy ending. Yeah. It's, it's it's funny the the Royal Rumble obviously is a Pat Patterson innovation. Uh, he's credited with being the uh, the mind, the brains behind the Royal Rumble. But at this point in '91, it doesn't. It's even though it has cachet because it's its own pay per view, and it's a big deal. They treat it as a big deal, but obviously grew over the years. Starting the next year when they put the title yeah. on the line yeah. in the Royal Rumble for which I think is virtually unanimous amongst wrestling fans that the 1992 Royal Rumble is the greatest of all time. So it's kind of funny to watch the 91 one where there's nearly nothing at stake other than like, hey, I won. Like <laughs> like Hogan, even though he did get the title match at WrestleMania, it wasn't by virtue of winning this match. Right. Uh, it was just, that was the story uh, that they wanted to tell. Um, and then of course, like I said, 92, the title's on the line. And 93 was when they put the uh, WrestleMania title match stipulation at play was just obviously made this the one of the most important matches on the calendar mm-hmm. and i always i said it i said it a bunch of times over the years and that if wrestlemania is the super bowl the royal rumble to me is the conference championship games it's the afc or nfc championship game which is funny because that's usually the rumble usually happens the week after the conference championship games i know i think 2016 it happened the same day as a conference championship games, but usually WWE smartly puts the Royal Rumble in that off week between the conference championship games and the Super Bowl, uh, which again it's smart because you want to avoid either one of those weekends, because <laughs> like, yeah. um, you don't want to start your show at the same time as like the NFC Championship is at halftime or the AFC Championship is at halftime because the later game starts at like six and the pay per views now start at like seven, yeah. so you don't want to do that. So yeah, so, so it's, as I said, over the year, the, the matches, the profile of the match has been raised significantly, and it's still a lot of people's favorite, some some people's favorite event, favorite match to watch, more so than WrestleMania, you know, it, those are matches are good, and they're, and they're big time, it's the big, biggest day of the year for wrestling, but for some people, the funnest match to watch is the Royal Rumble, and then I can speak for even my girlfriend, who's not really a, a wrestling fan, but she sits down and watch one match with me all year. It's the Royal Rumble. It's just the unpredictable nature of it. It's all the people involved, and uh, and of course, what's at stake? It's a there's a lot at stake. It's a, your ticket to the biggest show of the year, and WWE has treated it as such. With you know, usually guys are pointing. You got to point at the sign. <laughs> you know, you can't forget that. Yeah. Then the fireworks go off and all that, and it's very. It's become very. Um, predictable and i guess paint by numbers nowadays but it's still a big deal you know um but yeah the Rumble was a big deal and it was it, even though without all that cachet that's been added to it over the years they still treated it like it was a very big deal even in 1991 
So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I've always enjoyed the Royal Rumble. It's a fun show. Typically, it's a fun show. For a couple of years, they was messing it up, though. <laughs> like, <laughs> 2015, 2016, oh, I was like, oh, what man. the hell? But Brutal. 2014, when Daniel Bryan Although wasn't I, in I it. I was, 2014 and 15 were, like, the worst for me. I, mm-hmm. I actually dug Triple H winning because I knew... Kind of like, okay, they were going to do Roman and Triple H or Mania. And I was digging that yeah. at the time. So, I was mm. like, this is awesome. At the time. <laughs> at the time. Exactly. That's just, <laughs> but, let's dig into the 1991 Royal Rumble, shall we? Yes. Let's do it. January 19th, 1991 is the date, the site, the Miami Arena in Miami, Florida. And you're probably wondering, what in the world is that? Well, it's a building that was... Closed and demolished in 2008, so it's not in operation today, obviously. But it is the former home of the Miami Heat. Uh, but of course, they moved to a different. I forget. The, I think it's American Airlines Arena now in Miami. Yeah, I think so. So, but back in the day, that was the uh, the main arena in Miami. And according to good old Wikipedia, there were 16,000 <laughs> people in attendance in Miami. So big crowd for the Royal Rumble. But here's the thing about this show, like I've said earlier, very interesting backdrop for this show. And you saw the patriotism that surrounded it. But that is because three days prior to the show, U.S. President George H.W. Bush announced that we would be sending troops to fight Iraqi troops who were occupying Kuwait. And that became to be known as Operation Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. So we're at war. This is the first <laughs> Gulf War. <laughs> okay, yeah. I mean we had it had been a thing prior to this, but this was like when he declared like you were going to send troops over there. That's when you know the stuff hit the fan. This is when stuff got real. Okay, so obviously this is a very patriotic time in our country. You, you know, war time usually is, uh, but then on top of that. You got WWE, and WWE never, ever loses an opportunity. They never let an opportunity slip to be patriotic, all right? And if they want to be patriotic, they'll hit you over the head with the American flag. (laughs) Pow! Red, white, and blue. Old glory. The greatest country in America. You know it. Patriotic. Be a patriot. God bless America. Like, they're all about it. Just, if you you want to know how patriotic they can be, just go check out what they did two years later with Lex Luger and the Lex Express. Who was only a baby face because he was born in the United States. <laughs> That's the <laughs> only reason why. That's all we knew about him. He's an American. Okay. That's it. <laughs> that was his character. <laughs> That's all I need to know, man. You know. But again, but again, it was but this time it really wasn't just WWE. You know, WWE is always in your face about stuff, but it was everywhere. You, you go eight days later to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl twenty five, the Giants and the Bills. Very Ooh. patriotic backdrop to that Super Bowl as well. And of course, people will probably say, oh, that's when the Giants beat the Bills. Scott Norwood, unfortunately, missed the field goal, cost the Bills the first of four straight <laughs> Super Bowl appearances. Uh, but the, probably the second most memorable thing from that game is the national anthem from that game, which also was in Florida. That's in Tampa, Florida, not Miami, uh, this game. But Whitney Houston sung the national anthem and is, you know, by most accounts, probably the best rendition of the national anthem of all time. And it was very emotional. People were crying. There's a lot of American flags in the stands. And yeah, that's just where we were as a country at that point. It was a very patriotic time. Again, which is usually the case when you're fighting a war, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and that was, you know, I was 
25 years old. So I was really just starting to come into knowing like what things meant and what things were. And I remember watching the news here and there. My parents had it on and I didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew it wasn't good. And I was kind of afraid. I was like, I hope, you know, they don't come fight over here type of thing. Cause you know, for right. all I knew, it could be right around the corner. Like I didn't know where Kuwait was. I didn't know where Iraq was. So, um, and th- these aren't the questions I was asking my parents because whenever I was afraid about something, I didn't want to know the answer. I, I kind of stayed in my bubble. I didn't even ask my parents questions about some things that scared me when I was a kid. So, um, yeah, at this time, I was just kind of knowing, like learning. Okay, well, this war must not be a good thing, uh, since. As we'll see later on in this pay-per-view, uh, people were wishing everyone well over overseas, and I was like, "Well, that's kind of weird," <laughs> because yeah, I, I, I've noted that? that too. Yeah, so I mean, you as a kid, like, we'll, we'll talk like, about oh, it. Boy. We'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk so, about that 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 part of the show where you, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I had some notes about that as well. Yeah, so you know, I'm not even really paying attention to how they're flying the American flag and even ultimate warrior decked out in that. Like it, what didn't even like strike me at that time. Cause I just, I was there for the wrestling, man. <laughs> so I kind of ignored everything that wasn't wrestling related. Yeah. Yeah. WWE saw it as, as an opportunity, uh, to bring out the red, white and blue stuff. And war is a lot more serious than that. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And to be flat out, WWE exploited the war. Let's oh, just yeah. flat out what it was. We'll even see like some signs in the crowd that you know they highlighted, just because it yeah. was about the war. So, so we we knew that already. You watch WrestleMania Seven; the whole yep. shebang is laid out in red, white, and blue. But this show, I had not seen the show. I've seen the Royal Rumble match, but I hadn't seen the entire show before until you know this episode. Mm. Uh, it's and and, and it's, it's like I said, it's crazy because just a couple of days prior to this is when yeah. we sent troops over there, yep. and you really see how much WWE had. You know, Sergeant Slaughter was already a thing for a while by that point, but how much WWE was like, we're going to take advantage of this <laughs> and get people to rally behind certain guys and rally against one guy and Sergeant Slaughter and get heat on them using this war and, and i know that's that's a thing that wrestling promoters do you take advantage of real life events and you put it on your tv and it's and you get the foreign menace the foreign menace has been a thing in wrestling for literally decades after world war ii there were germans and japanese people who were the foreign menace in the 80s they were russians like <laughs> you know and in the early 90s in the decent wwf and even until after 9 11 too with muhammad Hassan, it was people from arabic countries right uh whatever way wrestling could promote xenophobia <laughs> they took advantage of it pretty much um so and and patriotism you know mm-hmm. so yeah that's just flat out what it was wwe exploited that uh but this show started with the national anthem uh just a musical rendition though so <laughs> yeah. no way in the category the, they want to spend the big money to bring somebody in to sing it no 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 and whoever no matter who they brought in it wouldn't have been whitney houston who was one of the best singers that's ever graced this earth like <laughs> flat out like could sing anybody out of the building no surprise that she had probably the greatest national anthem of all time because yeah. she could sing her ass off obviously rest in peace mm-hmm. to the goat Whitney Houston yes but um yeah they didn't they was like no nah, we're not even gonna try I mean I guess they knew already too it's like we're not even gonna try let's get the music <laughs> out there 
you know. But I, I wrote that because of, like I said, what was going on, it's crazy to think that WWE still kept the Iraqi sympathizer thing going with Sergeant Slaughter on TV yeah. at this time. Mm-hmm. And he was going to be winning the WWE championship while the country was at a, in a very real war. Not the Cold War, you know, <laughs> not a war of words, but an actual war where people are going to die. He's going to be winning the uh, WWF championship. So it's just a wild, wild thing that they were doing at this point. Uh, you know what else is wild? What's that? Vince McMahon's over-the-top introduction <laughs> of all the wrestlers <laughs> in the Royal Rumble, which is just classic WWF. He did it the next Love year, too, at, at the Royal Rumble in 92. Yeah. And he did it, you know, in 91. And, ah, the Royal Rumble! Every man for it's himself! It's time to rumble! <laughs> I right. The immortal Hulk Hogan! <laughs> T- uh, Tito Santana! <laughs> you know, all the guys. Then he went to... Then he went to Saba Simba! And I was like, hold up. Yeah. <laughs> and I audibly said out loud, get the F out of here. I was going to text what the you. F is this? I was going to text you, uh... When we had our conversation earlier, and uh, after you texted me, you know it was already seven minutes in, and uh, but clearly that was one of them that you saw. <laughs> I don't know, if Bruh. He, yeah. So yeah, I, I I am more than familiar with Tony Atlas. <laughs> He's WWE Hall of Famer. Yeah, first one half of the first black ever black WWF tag team champions, along with Soul Man Rocky Johnson. Rest in peace. But I never knew this existed, oh, and maybe yeah. because it was so for such a short period of time that it didn't mm-hmm. have any like longevity to it. Obviously, right. Uh, and I hope they didn't acknowledge this at all when he was going into the Hall of Fame or something like that. <laughs> I don't um, think so. But yeah, I don't think so neither. I, but like, what the hell? Yeah, I. Uh, you know, this is my <sighs> first, you know, introduction to Tony Atlas. So lo, lo and behold, you know, years later, I find out he's like a le- a legend, basically, and. Uh, I'm thinking Saba Simba is Saba Simba, you know, my whole life until I get older. And, you know, even like M- MTV, when they did uh, that show and Tony Atlas was on there, they were like following oh, yeah, True Life. My True Life, that's it. And uh, go- watching, you know, the 80s stuff and kind of understanding exactly who Tony Atlas was. And I'm like, I, was, I remember just thinking, that guy looks so familiar. And I didn't even realize he was Saba Simba. I remember like making that connection. I might have read it online, or if I just finally made that connection watching this match since I watched the '91 Rumble like every year. It's one of my favorite shows of all time, and just kind of like, yeah, I was like, oh, not good. Look, I I shouldn't be surprised, right? Because not long before this, and even in '91, we had Kamala. Yeah. Who was the Ugandan giant? He was just a guy from the south who was big and black. So they dressed him up as a Ugandan, put a crescent moon on him, and painted his face up, and made him a cannibal, cannibal, a cannibal from Uganda. Even though he was just James he, Arthur and, Harris, rest in peace. That, and he was that character, not just in WWF either. Like anywhere he went, it started in I believe Miss. It started in Memphis, I believe. It was yeah. the Jareds got the Jareds is one I think who started doing it with him. Mm. Um when he became Kamala, uh, I believe, but it's definitely in the territories. I know that for sure. Um, but it's and, and look, he 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 made money off of it, and good for him, right? 
I can't. I'm not going to ever blame the performers. I'm not going to blame Tony Atlas. The, apparently, he only was doing this because he was homeless. Apparently, he was broke, sleeping on the park bench. And then the Vince McMahon called him. And was like, "Hey, you want to be Saba? Somebody's like, I'll do anything right now. I need money." You know what I'm saying? So it sucks that he was in a position. So I'm not going to blame him. I just blame WWF because even though, again, they had a bunch of characters like this. They had the Orient Express who we saw on the show. Tito Santana. They would say, Arriba! And, mm. and what's Bobby Heenan say? He would do the flying burrito and all mm. that stuff. Uh, but they didn't need another African type of character. They, they, they had one. <laughs> like Kamala. <laughs> you already did this. You could just He just have been Tony Atlas. That would have been fine. I don't. That's what pissed me off the most. It's like you didn't. You just did this with Kamala. Did you need well, was you, he black in, man, uh, African tribe guy? I, but I instead know, of a ba- instead of a bad guy, he's a good guy this time, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think. Uh, I think Kamala had two runs, didn't he? In WWF, was he in there in the late eighties? I believe I'm so. I remember. I want to say he was at WrestleMania my, three or something like that. Okay, because my first rem- I think like memory of him was. Uh, his feud with the Undertaker, really, yes, uh, in '92. So that's where you know. So for me, Saba Simba was the first, uh, you know, African American superstar that I saw, like on TV, other than Virgil. Wow, and it, we'll see later on how. Hey, it was a great moment for Virgil, but they dropped the ball with him down the road. But oh yeah, um, yeah, it was like my foray and like my first watch of this match and this pay per view, and that's what I get. You know, it's crazy to well, think. I thought that was normal, you know, and lo and behold, years later, find out, like, that's Tony Atlas, man. <laughs> Why couldn't he just right. make him Tony Atlas? It, uh, unbelievable. You got Kamala apparently went back to WWF in 92. So I didn't even realize. So, yeah. So he was yeah, there. there. Before yeah, that. Yeah, it was, yeah, he was there before that. He was there in the late, in the late 80s. He's there oh, in, like, 86 wow. and 87. And then he came back in 92. Which was after Saba Simba. Yeah. They just needed an African from the from a tribe somewhere in Africa. And that that that's just uh that just like I stopped me dead in my tracks when I was watching this. Like, what the hell is that? You didn't need another African character. Another thing that kinda stopped me in my tracks was Shane Douglas. I forgot Shane Douglas yeah. was in WWF yeah. as Shane Douglas. <laughs> I thought I thought I forgot he he wasn't just Dean Douglas in WWF. <laughs> Yeah, this was he wasn't there long, but uh, I remember like who the hell is that? Because watching it back, you know, like the year after and like ninety three, ninety four, I would always watch the show on VHS, and I was like Shane Douglas, like who's that? And then you know Dean Douglas came in later, and I didn't know Shane Douglas at ECW before, uh, you know, his second WWF run as Dean Douglas. So when then when he went back to ECW. Uh, I was like following him, and I was like, "Wow, this guy's good." But here, he was just kind of like another guy. Um, didn't really do much. He was in, you know, he was on weekend TV, you know, in squash matches, but that was about it. And you didn't know him as a dynamic dude in WCW. I did, I, I did not. No, I did not. Oh man, the, what, what stood out the most to me was his like orange tights. He <laughs> was like, I was like, he yeah. looks weird in that. I don't know. I yeah, guess the, color, got- the, ne- the neon colors always struck, struck me weird back then. I was like, why is this? He should have so got a different color because it looked, it looked like a match's skin, which, <laughs> Almost. you know, and guys are tanned up, so they looked yeah. orange. Yeah. And he had longer so, hair. I only knew Dean Douglas, you know, with short hair. I was like, what? Right. Well, on the call for this show is Gorilla Monsoon, the legendary Gorilla Monsoon, and of course, the legendary Roddy Piper. And they started talking about 
the war, of course, and Piper talks passionately about the troops and how we're, this is America, this is USA. Never once did Piper mention that he's actually Canadian playing a Scottish person. <laughs> so, let's leave it at that. But God bless America. First match on the card. Speaking of races, we got the Orient Express. The Orient Express. I love the Express name, you know, for tag teams, but... I do too. Not this one. <laughs> Midnight, Rock and Roll. Hell, even the All Night Express. I was in Ring of Honor. The Ex- mm. Express is always a good w- tag team name. Yeah. The new Midnight Express? No, we're not, we're not talking about them. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking about the new Midnight Express. Just the Midnight Express. Uh, I'm trying to think of uh, well, how many other Expresses have there been. Probably a few. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that we were yeah. missing a few. But Rock and Roll and Midnight were the, the biggest. and. Even uh, I think the Rockers were the Midnight Rockers in AWA, so yep. they they kind of tried to hijack the Midnight from like, <laughs> right. but that didn't work. <laughs> right, no, just the Rockers. Um, Piper said that he saw the Orient Express backstage just gnawing on raw fish because they're from the Orient, as they would would have said back in the day, not Asian. Um, but you might have noticed one of the members of the Orient Express was wearing a mask. I didn't know. Of course, that. his name was his name was Cato. Mm-hmm. Well, Cato was not Asian. That's why he was wearing the mask because <laughs> they wanted to cover up the fact that he was. But he had lighter skin, so like, well, Asian. You could be Asian. Just wear the mask. Do Asian stuff. Like bow. That's, that's Asian, right? Yeah, go ahead and do it. Asian Express, Orient Express. I'm sorry, I got to say the non PC version of Asian because that's what they were in 1991. Yeah. yeah. But Kato was actually played by Paul Diamond, whose real name was Thomas Borak. And this, is, this guy was interesting. He was a Croatian, actually. Hmm. Uh, also played Max Moon at one point. Yeah. But Thomas Borak was actually an accomplished soccer star. He got a full scholarship to Old Dominion. Oh, wow. Full soccer scholarship. Whereas Old Dominion, the home of also Travis Fogum, Eagles wide receiver, <laughs> And Rick Lovato, long snapper. How about that? Okay. A couple of old Dominion guys on the team. But then he also played professional soccer in the the old North American Soccer League. Right? In the early 80s. He was the sixth overall pick in the 1981 NASL draft. He was a good player. But the league folded, and then he started wrestling. So, Mm. What a shame. What a shame. For his career. yeah, but he was a good soccer player. I mean, you play, yeah, I mean, yeah. NASL isn't like the European leagues, but over right. at one point, that league was pretty big over here. Like, it had a run. It didn't last long, but it had a run. So he was a, he was a good soccer player. And he was good at playing an Asian under a mask. So. Yeah, yeah. Hey, he reminded me of the Patriot with his uh, his body type and, and just having the mask on. He, he just reminded me of the Patriot Del Wilkes. <laughs> the Patriot Del Wilkes. We were still We've still never gotten him on the show. Well, we're never going to. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just broke that off. He, nope. was, he was probably at the Capitol. <laughs> Derek, Derek Badashek is disappointed in us, though. Oh, well. Can't forget his love of the <laughs> Patriot Del Wilkes. I, hey, maybe, maybe, maybe Brett <laughs> oh, well. was right to Sorry, Derek. Him. <laughs> Damn, maybe, maybe. Uh, I wrote down this match was very fast paced for 1991, and that the Rockers were 
ahead of their time. I mean, they were doing stuff that you see people do today, but just not as much of it. Guys do that stuff all the time. They would do one or two big spots a match, and it would get the crowd going crazy. Now, obviously, it's a different era, different time, and people weren't trying to have them do a bunch of stuff to them because it's like, what you doing? Are you jumping around all the time? I don't want to do that. <laughs> but uh, they were doing double team moves, stuff like that. They, yeah. were, they were fun to watch. They were yeah, really fun they to watch. Yeah, they actually paid attention to the rules and got out when, you know, the five count, like not like today where it's like double, it's like a Texas tornado match the whole time. But uh, I always liked how Gorilla Monsoon will call the Rockers tag team specialists. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's awesome. So they should be the champions then, but they're not. So what the hell's going on right. here? And, and, and they technically never were. He, he never called like another tag team, tag team specialist. It was just the Rockers. So It was also just a way to say, hey, these guys would never be able to win on their own. <laughs> <laughs> they need yeah. to be in a tag team to survive. Hey, man, but him saying that and I, me being five years old, I was like, hell yeah, go Rockers. You know? <laughs> <laughs> right. That's, that's, that's the best part of your career and so be it. <laughs> Never mind. We knew that Shawn Michaels would become the greatest, yeah, one of the greatest right. of all time, and yeah. win the WWF Championship, and you know all that. And you stuff, know what's so. funny is like when when that kind of stuff happened back then. I always pulled for the guy with that had dark hair because I guess because <laughs> I had dark hair. You know, I was like all the blondes yeah. are jerks, so uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna like cheer for the guy with dark hair. You know, they get all the girls, they're sort yeah, of the exactly. pretty boys or whatever. Screw those blondes. I'm here for the brunettes. <laughs> So that meant you were here for Marty Jannetty. Who, yeah. Who, he was my who, guy. Who admitted to killing someone. Or, no, 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 no. <laughs> he was my guy. He, I just, <laughs> he quoted, he quote unquote, made them disappear. Yeah. Marty Jannetty has lived a crazy wild life for Yeah, I, I missed that one. <laughs> but hey, man, he was dope back in the day. He, I mean, now, he wasn't on dope. Well, he probably was on dope. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> but he was a good wrestler, I should say. He's a great wrestler. <laughs> He I'll tell you, I, I was I was hell of excited when he came back at the end of '92, and wrestled Sean, but then went away for a little bit and then came back and won the right. title on Raw. I was like, yeah. won an Intercontinental Championship, yeah. former Intercontinental. No matter what happens in Marty Jannetty's life, you can never take that away from him. He will always be. I'll tell you, a for, former Intercontinental Champion. As a kid, the worst moment I ever like experienced as a fan, and what I legitimately like felt sad and upset like I wanted to cry it was uh, at the spectrum it was Shawn Michaels versus Marty Jannetty and I think it was like a steel cage match but they were was on the SummerSlam no it was uh, the house show and oh. it was just like a I think they started outside the ring and Shawn suplexed Marty but he didn't like suplex him all the way it was like a half suplex and then he dropped him right on the steel steps he just like picked Ooh. him up and then dropped his chest on the steel steps and I remember like crawling up in my seat and my mom was like are you all right and i'm like no <laughs> i was like Mar- 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 daddy's hurt marty's hurt <laughs> no i'm not okay i'm not okay <laughs> let's leave damn it <laughs> <laughs> my sister my sister was a huge Shawn michaels fan so like me and her clashed over uh, oh yeah. he's a sexy boy yep not your boy toy nope <laughs> that's funny <laughs> Shawn michaels Speaking of Shawn Michaels, he had Mr. Fuji hit him in, across the <laughs> neck with his cane. Yeah, you see that camera work? They totally missed it. Pissed me off. They were like, right even, even Piper was like, get a shot of that. <laughs> and it just didn't. Exactly. <laughs> they had a lot of uh, hard cam angles here, uh, especially when the double teams. But they were right literally next to Fuji when he was about to hit him. And then they go to the hard cam view, and you can't really see it. And then right. they we're go back to, to that the- shot when afterwards. So I don't, I don't we're know. We're supposed to see when they got sheets, bro. I want to see that yeah. on TV. 
But I, I just remember the fans being like pissed off when he did that. And they booed <laughs> so hard and like, boo! And it's like, damn, that was good. Like they just hit him one time with that, and it went nuts. And then they started the USA chant. <laughs> You're not from here, yeah. USA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the best part is like if they if that tag team is facing somebody other than the Rockers that wasn't American, the crowd would still be chanting USA, and the, oh, ta- yeah, the yeah. tag team would try to be like hyping them up because yeah yeah say it even though we're not American. <laughs> they would cheer USA at Bret Hart, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> even though he's Canadian. <laughs> he's white. He must be American. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the finish of this match I thought was very unique. I don't know if you caught that with like yeah. Shawn Michaels punching Kato and it kind of forcing him to go back and then Sunset flipping Marty Jannetty into he flips he flipped Marty Jannetty into the Sunset Flip on yep. Tanaka. Yep. Then he got the pin. So monkey flip into Sunset Flip. Two flips. Definitely thought it was monkey cool flip, Sunset Flip at that win. time. Nowadays was, I think it's dope, lame. Though. Nowadays I think it's lame, but back then it was awesome. I thought it was. I thought. I think if it happens today, it would be a near fall. But I think if it happens today, it'd be kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, they would but kick it, out it of it. Like four, so, it would be times. so telegraphed. Like it looks so telegraphed to me nowadays. But like back then, I obviously didn't care about that. Um, so it was kind of cool. But I, I think just, it worked when they the way they set it up with Sean punching, punching yeah. Tanaka it, well, in the he, gut. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then hitting Kato. Like you set it up. You don't look like you're right. cooperating. You set it up in the way you you bridge you. You bridge the gap between yeah. one spot to the next, and they did that. It made it make sense. Yep. How would Tanaka? Why would Tanaka be bent over here? Okay, I punched him. <laughs> why would Why would Kato fall back? Oh, I punched him too. I mean, he was going to fall back anyway, probably because he's going to do the monkey flip thing. I think. But Shaw, it, it even it happened even worse because K- Shawn Michaels punched him too, and he fell back, and then flipped Marty right into the sunset flip, and then boom. So I thought it was cool. You know, it didn't and, look like they were cooperating. Yeah. Yeah, that was good, and that that was Sean coming back from falling fifteen feet to the floor. Uh, <laughs> I, I learned that that Parati Piper taught me a lot of stuff on commentary when I was a kid. You know that oh from God. the top turnbuckle all the way to the ground is fifteen feet. So uh, Sean fell fifteen we, feet. <laughs> I think we all learn a lot from wrestling commentary from these days. Like yeah. Berlamont Stewart talk yep. about body parts that yep. we never yep. heard of hey, before. I even wrote this. I took a, a note of it. Uh, Tanaka with the pressure points, right? The trapezius to Shawn Michaels. And tra- <laughs> the trapezius. trapezius. <laughs> He's, he says another one during the uh, Coco Beware Mountain okay. match that we'll bring up later. That's okay. a funny one. Okay. But uh, Rockers win. I thought the finish great was opener. cool. Great and the match was, yeah, it was a great open. Actually, probably, probably, honestly, to me, the best match on the show, honestly, uh, just from an action yeah. standpoint. Yeah. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun. Uh, then we get a promo from Randy Savage, who uh, he wanted to challenge Sergeant Slaughter for the title if he won, right? And then he's like, I got an agreement with Slaughter. Slaughter wins. I'm a ch- he, he says, I'm the number one contender. I'm going to get to be the next for the first person to challenge him. Sean Morey, who was the fantastic and intrepid journalist that he Sean was. Who? Sean who? Wasn't that his name? Sean Mooney. Sean Mooney, what? Sean Moore is Val Venus. Good lord! <laughs> oh, oh my god, oh, Sean Mooney. Oh. Yeah, we don't want to be Val yeah. Venus. He's yeah, not going to be on be this him. podcast either. No, 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 no. He's a wild boy these days. But Sean Mooney, my bad. Sean Mooney, he's poking the bear. The fan- <laughs> That's what I wrote. Poking the bear. 
yeah, he did poke the bear. But he asked a follow-up question because he's a fantastic journalist and he's much better than Todd Pettengill. Uh, he's he not. would not have asked that question. Could have edit that out. <laughs> Sean Mooney. Shout out to Sean Mooney. But he asked Savage, okay, you got that commitment from Slaughter. What about from Warrior? What if he wins? And then Savage is like, well, I will get him to do it once Sherry baits him. Watch. And then Sherry, <laughs> as he's saying that, is walking to the promo area in the arena with Mean Jean where she made a public challenge for the Ultimate Warrior. Then she called her mouth, like, accept the challenge right now in person, or you're yellow. You're yellow <laughs> from the top of your head to the bottom of your toes. You're yellow, right? Which means back in the day, if you're not familiar, if you're young, and I understand you might be too young for this. Me and Nick are probably too young for this, too. This is an old, old back in the day saying. When somebody's yellow, that means they're a coward. Ooh. So you don't even say yellow. You're yellow. Like, no, no, no. You say yellow. You're yellow, right? <laughs> Old time, very old timey saying, yeah. you know, like, like, when it, like, just like when some people say it's chitons for you, like, that's an old timey <laughs> saying, it's chitons, <laughs> like it's the 30s, 30s gangster film, same thing with yella. So that's what they was, that's what she said to him. Warrior comes out wearing a leather jacket, <laughs> um, yeah. and he Big walks out with a jacket. The oh, yeah, of course, because hey, United States uh. of America, baby, Sherry then. Begin seducing Ultimate Warrior. This is like the most racy thing you would have saw on WWF TV. I didn't know what was going on. My parents, (laughs) my parents were probably like, "Oh, what are we? What are we watching here?" (laughs) (laughs) This is supposed to be family entertainment, and here is here is Sherry talking about locking lips with the champ and getting on her knees in a very compromising position. Yeah, begging. I think the crowd started chanting some things. Oh, I didn't. I didn't hear the chance, but I'm sure they. they it wasn't P, PG. No, no, I'm sure. No. Uh, but she on her knees, talking to this man, and War is looking like he's never had a woman touch him like this before. <laughs> he's looking very strange. <laughs> it's like, oh, what are you, the ultimate virgin? Get it together, ultimate warrior. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate virgin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great! The ultimate I version. Like, I <laughs> that's on top of the dome. I didn't even think about that. I didn't even write that down. Uh, He's out here looking like the ultimate simp. <laughs> She's touching me. What's going on? What's this? Uh, Never. Man. He had this big old weird smile on his face. Oh my god! It was so awkward. Like big old white teeth because his smile right. is huge. It's like, dude, we never seen you like Where, that before. Stop. Did he have fake teeth? <laughs> right. He had like Roman Reigns teeth. Like he got some new teeth that day. <laughs> he, so weird. Ultimate Warrior copped a bag and fixed his teeth too. Apparently, before <laughs> Cardi B did it. <laughs> like, gotta look like good he's for a the big rubble. white. Right. He won the title and then like I'm getting new teeth. I'm the champ. <laughs> new teeth time. But big white pearly teeth. Yeah. Um. So eventually, Warrior spits to the side for some reason. Oh my, Dude, just he's, disgusting. He sniffs her kiss like three times. Ugh. Puts his fingers Weird. up to his nose and sniffs it. Like what? Weird. Then he what a weird he trem- guy. Then he trembled. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I said his head was Caesaring. What the hell he was doing? <laughs> just, like, just trembled. It was intense. And the sheriff's like, no! Did yeah. you just say no? Yeah. This was weird, bro. <laughs> this is strange. Uh, I, I didn't even, like, understand it. 
back then. So I was just kind of like, okay, contender, don't know what that is. I was like, wait, Macho Man was a champion before they mentioned that. And I was like, what? No, he was. No, he wasn't. It's only but Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> you know, WF, only him. He's the w, only champion. WWF in did not exist before my fandom. So um, <laughs> he's been the only champion. Him and Hulk Hogan because he beat Hulk Hogan for it. But um, true. Yeah, it was true. so confused that they were like Macho King was a former WWF champion. I was like, what? Like, no, he wasn't. When? <laughs> Never. Yeah. Then he freaks out so, the locker room with Sean Moody. It's right. hilarious. He destroys the locker room. <laughs> loses his mind, which is like, was he like seriously mad? Like, I, I Randy see, Savage, you just I never see, know. Like, Sean Moody, like there, <laughs> like just as Macho Man's watching this unfold on TV, Sean Moody just being like, he said no. <laughs> just like making him uh, more pissed off. <laughs> he said no, Macho Man. <laughs> uh, now, watch out, everybody. So, Macho Man loses his mind and then runs through the arena. By this point, War- Ultimate Warrior just casually walked away. Yeah, yeah we don't even see <laughs> him walk away. Or we he see just him, saunters like, away, I think. Yeah, I think we just see him like exit the screen and that's it. Right, but Savage runs through the arena, up to the little platform that they're on, and is like, what? God, ah, he's Where'd upset. He <laughs> the Ultimate Warrior didn't accept his... Offer of making him the number one contender. What a what a crazy thing! What a coward, so, cowardly thing to do by Warrior. He, he's yellow, like yeah. Sherry said. Yeah, he's yellow. You know. So, moving on from that, <laughs> that was that was that was a lot. Um, <laughs> Just for moving like on from that, a five second thing that was a lot, <laughs> or a five minute. That was thing, a lot. Yeah. That was a lot. It was just a, a Warrior trembling and Sherry on her knees and just it's a lot going on. Mm. Moving on, we got the Barbarian going up against the big boss man from Cobb County, Georgia. <laughs> and I just wrote here that this was a horse fight. This is just all yeah. this was. It was just two big old guys beating each other up. I didn't really get anything else out of this other than it was a big old horse fight that big boss man won. Who was also, gotta admit, big boss man, big over, no pun intended. Yeah. Uh, with a they fans gave a lot of time, Very too. over. This is uh, the second I mean, longest or the third longest match behind the Rumble and the opener. Um, when when this is Royal Rumble, some matches, the other matches are going to get more time because yeah, the one well, match this is longer than the title, <laughs> the WWF title match. It was longer than that. I was like, okay, okay. I did find it interesting. Uh, I did mention that I noticed at this point the Barbarian went with Bobby Heenan and the Warlord went with Slick when they split the Powers of Pain. Mm. Kind of interesting. Little thing that yeah. I kind of picked up this time, didn't really pick up before, but yeah, interesting. Yeah, interesting. Now we move on to a promo with Sergeant Slaughter and General Adnan with the the great Sean Mooney, the great intrepid journalist Sean Mooney, who was he so great? I forgot his name earlier. I said <laughs> Sean Mori, like he's Val Venus, but he is great. Shout out to Sean Mooney, but. Sergeant Slaughter, how did he keep his voice after cutting promos in that oh, way? Yeah. Maybe, maybe I it don't was understand. pre-recorded. Maybe it was like two weeks in advance or something. I just... <laughs> and it's like you yeah. do it enough and you're loud enough, that hurts. Yeah. Like You need a lozenge after that. Mm-hmm. Or some tea and some honey or something. I don't understand. And a lot of people cut promos like that. Vince McMahon would do those intros, oh, yeah. and all the wrestlers would just yell and scream to the top of their lungs. It's like, how did y'all have voices after a while? Like, y'all snapping out on these cameras for a long time. <laughs> like, 
Slaughter was speaking a whole promo like that. Yeah. And like full sentences, not like just yelling. He would just talk normal. That was mm-hmm. his normal his normal tone of voice and then using this gravelly style, which he doesn't that's not his real voice. But they would make their voice like that and make the ugly faces and Yeah and it's like this is wild what wrestling what used to be in the late eighties, early nineties. The guys yeah. making crazy looking faces and stuff like that. At least in WWF, that's how it was. NWA was a little different, a little more realistic. Mm-hmm. But these guys were just over the top characters. Uh, speaking of characters, General Adnan, I wrote that he probably triggered the hell out of people in 1991. Uh, He's on there yeah. speaking Arabic. Oh, yeah. At this time, then I was like, you know what? He probably tr- he would have triggered people in 2001, too. Oh, you yeah. know what? He trigger people today in 2021. Yeah, like, <laughs> there are people who just don't like hearing foreign would, languages on the. They wouldn't react like Roddy Piper reacted on commentary. He was oh. flipping his lid. Mm-hmm. And he mocked him. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I noted that too. It's like, oh boy. <laughs> and he mocked him. But I, I, I put it, he would trigger a lot of people, but mostly racist and xenophobic <laughs> people. Right. Um. Slaughter, pretty much the basis of Slaughter's promo is that when he wins the title, there will be turmoil. And he called the ultimate warrior the ultimate puke. <laughs> that was great. Ultimate puke. Should have called him the ultimate simp. <laughs> ultimate virgin. <laughs> Dude, if he, if he said something about like how he was with Sherry, that would have been hilarious. That would have been, been on the floor Dude, laughing. I would have been like, been okay. used to a woman's touch. <laughs> You ever you you ever had a woman touch you before? <laughs> you make me sick. <laughs> Ultimate puke. But then he would have been a baby face after that. So <laughs> right, he would have been a baby face with me. <laughs> You're the ultimate sucker. <laughs> well, that'd have been that'd have been. Uh, he would want some points with me with that. Right. And then they cut to Ultimate Warrior. Who just literally snorted his way through the promo? I don't yeah. know what he said. Yeah, he just snorted either. and snarled, and that was it. <laughs> like, I was just uh, noticed his purple uh, leather title belt, so I was like, mm. okay, it's purple this time. So like, purple. that's the one thing about Warrior. If we can give him credit for anything. In reality, he was not a good person, right? Jim Helwig, <laughs> not a good person. And in wrestling, a lot of people say he wasn't even a good wrestler, right? <laughs> Uh, great character, but not a great wrestler, not a great promo. But if one thing he was known for was his attire. His attire yeah. was dope. Like yeah. the the little the little nuances he would have in his attire, the, the the little I guess accessories, and then the belt. He would always change the strap, the color of the strap. So if there's one thing I can give him credit for is that he was always uh, keeping up and maintaining his gear and changing it up. It had a lot of different looks and colors, and the mm. character called for that to be very colorful and. But on this night, I thought his gear was dope. On this night, with the red, white, and blue, with the with the warrior paint, yeah, with it, the red, white, and blue in the actually paint, good. Like, and, yeah, right, the way they did it in the logo, it was dope. And then his gear and stuff like that, I thought it was dope. So, uh, but after after Warriors promo, Gorilla had to really like give a disclaimer for Sergeant Slaughter's comments. <laughs> like, it's like it's so bad, and y'all know it's bad. That's the thing, y'all know it's bad. Like people are going to be really upset, yeah. and feel some type of way about what Slaughter is doing, and what he's saying. That Gorilla pretty much had to give a disclaimer. It's like his views are not the views of WWF. <laughs> like we don't uh, we don't sign off on that. That's wild. Like how many times has that happened in wrestling with the promotions? Like, look, we ain't got nothing to do with that. Mm-mm. Yeah, and even uh, Slaughter wearing I think they call it the Gutra on his head, the Saudi Gutra. 
Oh yeah, I, I, oh, I, I, don't give me the line about what it's called. He did not. He did not wear it to the ring though, and I wonder if that was by design. Hmm. But I think he. I think did he wear it to the ring? He at wore some point, a helmet, though, right? I think it might have been WrestleMania. Not on this night. Yeah, no, not on this night. He didn't wear it. It wasn't WrestleMania because he wore like the whole outfit, like the whole commander suit or whatever because i feel like he's worn that i think at wrestlemania i feel like he's worn the garb to the ring before but maybe i'm tripping he wore he wore something at survivor series 90 but i don't remember if it was the gucci or not um Mm. but he had his face like painted camouflage i thought he was wearing a helmet but maybe it was then but he definitely wore a helmet at the royal rumble i do i do recall seeing that um, Which is so. interesting because it's like I wonder if they did that on purpose, because <laughs> hmm. maybe that was like a, obviously a visual trigger for people there, like xenophobic visual trigger. <laughs> yeah, it's weird, weird stuff. But it's time, WWE Championship, the Ultimate Warrior defending against Sergeant Slaughter. As I said before, Sergeant uh, Ultimate Warrior, I should say, decked out in red, white, and blue, starts off the match with or by breaking. The Iraqi flag. And the fans love every second of it. They are going crazy when he broke that flag. Uh, and then he just proceeds to whoop Sergeant Slaughter's ass for like a good five minutes or whatever it was. Until Sherry came out and distracted him. While he was whooping ass on Sergeant Slaughter. Uh, she, ran, she runs away. Warrior gives chase. But Savage cuts him off at the pass and beats him up real bad. Without the referee seeing. So no disqualifications. This was this was like at the entrance. Referee was still in the ring with with Slaughter, so Savage puts a number on him, and then now Ultimate Warrior is all messed up. He's crawling back to the ring. The referee is starting to count him out. Slaughter's like, no, 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 don't count him out because if he gets counted out, the title cannot change hands via count out. It has to only change hands via pinfall or a submission. So, of course, Slaughter, being the smart heel that he is, like, nope, don't count him out. I still want to win the title. And he got him back in the ring, got Warrior back in the ring, I should say, and put a bear hug on him for a while and and, and, and devastated him with the bear hug. Right? And then Piper at one point said that Savage got in a couple shots on Warrior that would have put down a gorilla. No offense, gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> and in reference to, of course, Gorilla Monsoon. No offense. Like, gorilla Monsoon, not an actual gorilla, but all right. One thing I noticed, though, because I looked at Slaughter, I was like, man, he was like kind of balding, looked kind of old. I looked up Slaughter's age. Sergeant Slaughter will turn 73 in August. Of course, this is 30 years ago, which means at at the time of this match, he was 42 years old. Does Sergeant Slaughter look like he was 42 in 1991, or did he look significantly older? Uh, I mean, 42 back then would look old to me, like as a kid. So, I guess, yeah. Like, you look back, like, maybe it's just the time, because things have changed. People who look who are 42 today don't look like 42-year-olds from back in the day. Like, you look at Wilford Brimley and, like, oh, who wasn't, I think he was in The Thing. And you look at him, it's like, he was, like, 45 in that movie. He looks like... An old, old man in that movie, you know, like, <laughs> and it's just, things have changed, because at 42, it's like, you still look like, you don't, you're not an old man yet. Yeah. You're not an old woman, an old person yet. You just, 
you know, no more looking person. Just so happen you're 40. People don't start looking old probably until their 50s, maybe. It depends on how you take care of yourself, too, obviously. Right. You know, that also matters, obviously. But Sergeant Slaughter's taking care of himself. He's a pro wrestler. <laughs> like, you know, like he's in good shape. It's just, he did not look 42. Mm. He's balding. His hair is, fall, you know, gone. And mm-hmm. he just looked old. I don't know. But yeah. here he was doing his thing in the ring. Like I said, his hair see, made him look 52. See, I guess I didn't really notice that much because Hulk Hogan was balding too. And that was kind of what yes. he was used to. So. Yes. He Even was, though the I'm warrior sure had like younger. a nice head of hair, according to Sherry, like his hair was so nice. <laughs> um, <laughs> Luxurious. <laughs> that was like. I don't know the opposite of what I thought. I because Hogan, I was like, oh, I guess when I get older, I'm gonna have hair like that. <laughs> you know, like even though my dad, but, you know, he's had great hair his whole life, but uh, whatever. Hogan was five years younger than Slaughter. Yeah, yeah. So he was in his late thirties, and you said he was balding like hell. Like he looked yeah. bad. Yeah. Like, and he was like the coolest guy at that point. But like, why didn't he just cut it? It looked terrible. I don't know. That was his. That was part of his character. I think. I, I would have nah, not liked to. He did cut it short when he came back uh, after WrestleMania six, and when he feuded with Earthquake, like he did have it shorter, but it was still like you know kind of long, uh, not not to his shoulders or anything, but um, he just kind of trimmed it around and almost looked like Gene Okerlund in a way when he had that little uh, horseshoe going on. But uh, then he just started grow, keep growing that. So that to, to me that was Hulk Hogan. You know, I would have been probably upset if he cut it. He should have cut it. He should have <laughs> cut it. He was balding like in the eighties, like yeah. when he was on, at yeah. his peak. His hair, his hairline was, was receding bad. <laughs> like I don't know why they just never told him, "Call, give it up." <laughs> like you embarrassing yourself. Well, I guess they didn't have to because well, he, he was, was awesome. the biggest star. That and he could still wore the bandana as a, with the baldy, like. But saying, at the like same he, time, he, he was. He looked like he had long hair with the bandana, so. But the bandana he, always came off. Yeah, <laughs> like, it didn't matter by then because he was so charismatic. They didn't care about his right. hair. Right. I was going to say, he was so over, yeah. it didn't even matter what his hair is. His hair looked terrible. Like in this, ma- in, in, in this <laughs> night, it was like he had only hair in the back of his head. He looked like an old man. You imagine a 38-year-old today, which is what Hogan was, or 37. He was 37 be, on this night. Oh, wow. Can you imagine Tom Brady looking like that? I'm literally two years away from that. You don't. You have a head full of hair. Well, let's you know. Hope I continue. I, I don't foresee it getting that bad in two years. And I'm actually growing it long, so I have like really long hair now. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You have long, luxurious locks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If it got to that point, you'd be like snip gone, or some hair plugs, or something. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would need an intervention though. <laughs> right. I I will be there to sit you down <laughs> if it gets to that point. Like, look, Nick, it's about time, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's about that time, brother. Like, imagine, like I said, thir- he's 37 when this match happened. AJ Styles is older than Hulk Hogan was in this night. His hair isn't that bad. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. And some. It, look, it happens to some people. Some people, they, they go bald, they, their hairlines recede mm. at a very young age. And that's, that's you have really no control over that. That's, that's just what happens to you sometimes. Some people yeah. got alopecia. That's just what happens. It happens to men and women. So I'm not really blaming him, like knocking him for the fact that he was balding. It's just cut it, like it's just get take it off. Like it's all right. Nobody, mm. like I said, he imagined a 38 year old human being or 37 year old human being today, at least in the United States, 
walking around with the cut Hulk Hogan at <laughs> in no. 1991. It's just no. not happening. Nope. With or without that bandana. Only Hulk Hogan would be. He probably still hasn't cut it. Oh, he wasn't he at Raw or something? I didn't even re- I didn't even pay attention to the, when they had like the legends back. So no, I didn't, I didn't pay I'm attention. Assu- I'm assuming he didn't. I'm just thinking like Hogan and WCW even <laughs> looked old. He was like in his early 40s, like mid maybe mid 40s. Yeah. By the time he's in like 96, 97 when the NWO, that would have been five years after this. He would have been 42, 43. 40, you know, that's like five, six years later. Yeah, he was uh, like 45 when he beat Lex Luger at Road Wild for the title. He was 45. I think that, 45. that, that was his birthday or his birthday was coming up. And I remember reading it like it was in a paper or something. I guess they had like celebrity birthdays or something. And look, don't get me wrong. Hogan was still in great shape for a 45-year-old, I guess. But he, compared to today, I mean, and I guess people, the things have changed, obviously, in the last 20 to 30 years. Technology, the way people take care of themselves, the way people's workout regimens, all those things have changed. Uh, we, you know, we, I don't know if we eat better necessarily, but, you know, we have a lot more information today about how to take better care of yourself uh, as far as nutrition and exercise and stuff like that than we did back in the early 90s and the mid 90s and stuff like that. So, but it's still striking. And maybe it's not really an indictment on Hogan or an indictment on Slaughter. Because, like I said, I, I mentioned Wilford Brimley and the thing was like his mid 40s and he was like an old man, <laughs> right? So it's just how that's just how society was, and things have changed. And people today in their forties look still look pretty good. Like it's it's wild. Mm-hmm. It's wild. Mm-hmm. So again, Sergeant Slaughter was like forty two, forty three when this mm-hmm. when this match happened. So moving on to the rest of this match, uh, Warrior gets going again, and that's when Sherry shows up again, and that's when Piper caught her a winch. So <laughs> caught her a winch. Warrior is easily distracted, as most baby faces are, uh, and then brings her into the ring. He then signals that he's going to power slam her, but then Savage comes down, and then Warrior just tosses Sherry onto Savage. So, good catch by Savage there. But Slaughter capitalizes by knocking Warrior onto the ropes. And as Warrior's draped over the ropes, that dirty, rotten Randy Savage clocked Ultimate Warrior over the head with a scepter. Then, right between the eyes. Right between the eyes. <laughs> and then Slaughter just pulls Warrior back into the ring, pins him one, two, three, and becomes the new World Wrestling Federation champion as an Iraqi sympathizer in the middle of a war with Iraq. Whew. Mm. Wild stuff. Mm-mm-mm. I didn't know it was real. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, the referee's going to disqualify him. It'll be fine. Guess who the referee was? Um, I do not recall. Our friend Earl Hebner. Oh, boy. Oh, man. Guess when the bell rang. I don't don't recall. When the warrior entered the ring and clotheslined General Adnan and Sergeant Slaughter. Guess what happened after the bell rang? I, I don't recall. The warrior choked Sergeant Slaughter with the flag and hit him with the flagpole two or three times. So you're saying that he should have been disqualified. Earl Hebner was in on it. Earl Hebner wow. screwed the Ultimate Warrior. Wow, Earl Hebner has been in a lot of controversies. It was the, the twin ref, the, yeah. the, the Montreal screw job, and now this is the Miami screw job. That's right. 
Absolutely. Wow. He 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 let the camel clutch on the ultimate warrior. He let Slaughter put it on when the warrior's feet were under the rope. And then he, he told did. Slaughter to get off. He was about to call the match. He saw Ultimate Warrior's feet under the rope and then kind of uh. said not to. Uh, he wasn't going to end it. And that allowed the screw job. So you got a little conspiracy going on there. It's Earl Hebner, man. Had a lot of, a lot of conspiracies going Absolutely around lately. Ridiculous. Which, is, which is funny because Piper and Gorilla Monsoon sounded like all the Trump voters every day <laughs> since November 7th. What? This can't be real. Stop the steal. What? This isn't. What? Can't be. No way. Not a new champion. No, this isn't. What? This is ridiculous. You know what's funny? It's like they're literally waiting for Howard Finkel to confirm it. It's like Howard, yeah. F- Howard Finkel is Mike Pence casting the votes, the electoral <laughs> votes. Like. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much is what it was. And they, they were sitting there like, it can't be. No, no way. Warrior goes off to chase after Savage. Which, by the way, I but, love that little delay where it's like they reacted, but then they really reacted when Howard Finkel made the announcement. <laughs> yeah. I did enjoy You that. let it, the moment sink in for a little bit, I yes, guess. Yes. We had that happen because a lot of stuff happened. <laughs> oh, yeah. As Gorilla said, <laughs> it was a miscarriage of justice, you know? Yeah. And then Piper was like, this is bull. Like, this, they was pissed about this. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, Sergeant Slaughter was your new World Wrestling Federation champion for the very first time. Incredible. What a time. Incredible. What a time. Did you notice a sign before the match in the crowd? I did not. Gomer is a traitor. Gomer is a traitor. Yeah. I guess they're referring to Gomer as Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah. And Gorilla loves it. Like, they showed it, and he's like, ha ha, yes, I agree, or something like that. And for some reason, like, I tried looking this up because I was like, who is Gomer? You don't know Gomer (laughs) Gomer Pyle is from, uh, what the hell is the movie called? No, but it's also a slang term for, like, a stupid oath or a social reject. So I wonder if it was. I don't know if it was off Gomer Pyle or if it was off like that slang for a stupid O for mm. social rejects, but definitely, uh, you know, in digging into more research, Sergeant Slaughter was nicknamed Gomer by the crowds. Uh, he would be, cha- they would chant Gomer at him uh, during his mm. matches. I, we didn't hear it here. Uh, I don't know if it originally was in the audio and they edited it out or something. I got to find my old VHS, but uh, yeah, I did. I did not realize that was a thing. So I that's Gomer, one I was, thing that I noticed uh, that I haven't noticed before. I thought it was in reference to Gomer Pyle, who was in Full Metal yeah. Jacket, the character might, Full Metal Jacket, who, who who got tortured in one scene in Full Metal Jacket when they beat him with soap <laughs> when he was asleep. That was messed up. But I don't um, know why they call him a traitor. But yeah, just. Yeah. The gorilla loved it. Like he was like, "Yeah, like okay, gorilla, relax." <laughs> like I don't know what this Take is. Take it easy. Take it easy. Um, <laughs> so that happens, and this terrible, awful thing has happened. So what a better time to promote WrestleMania Seven? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they they start with like WrestleMania three, and then go to four, five, and then six. And it's just funny. It's like okay, one and two. Like what about them? Just left them out. Nah, no, 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 no. We're going. We're going to. The big shows, because this is going to be a big show in the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, baby. <laughs> Vince McMahon is going crazy in the voiceover. Oh, the biggest <laughs> show of all time. Oh. 
100,000 people, my God. So incredible, like his voiceovers for this. Because they, they're like setting the indoor attendance record and then back to back at the Trump Plaza and then blew the roof off the Skydome <laughs> in Toronto. Off the Skydome. Like, it was like a, a song almost. I was like jamming to it almost back then. Oh, man. I, don't I had, know I had no idea what he was saying, by the way. I had no, these words that he was saying, I had no clue. I was like, you wonder why Vince McMahon's voice is so damn gravelly today. <laughs> and he's like, yeah. <laughs> like he, he sounds like the Grim Reaper, right? <laughs> it's because of this stuff he would do in the yeah. 90s. Oh, what am I? Oh, look at Shawn Michaels. Oh, WrestleMania. And it's just like, bro, take it. Your voice is not going to hold up. In, in 30 years in 2021 people are gonna be like what happened to your voice and like <laughs> like it's sounds terrible but here we are but wrestlemania 7 of course most people will know the story in that it was originally scheduled to take place at the los angeles memorial coliseum former home of the los angeles rams los angeles raiders and of course the usc trojans the football trojans also hosted an olympiad uh, I think in 84, I think the Olympics was in, uh, in L.A. Uh, and, of course, they had the Olympic flame, you know, in the stadium. But that never happened. Uh, they eventually had the, the show at the Los Angeles Sports Arena. Uh, not the Western Forum, but the Los Angeles Sports Arena, where I think the Clippers were playing at that point. Not sure. Uh, I know the Lakers were playing at the Forum, but Los Angeles Sports Arena. And, of course, the whole myth around that is that why that event got moved from Memorial Coliseum, the LA Coliseum, to the sports arena, where, you know, Coliseum was supposed to have 100,000 people in there. Sports arena had, like, 17,000. So, if you watch that um, documentary I told you about on episode 268, that WrestleMania documentary, I remember talking about, like, oh, it was a security thing, I think it was. And then it just so happened that we had already sold 17,000 seats. That was perfect for their sports arena. It's like... Okay, and the some say they weren't selling enough tickets. You know, the, the ticket sales were bad. Um, and, and we talked about this before, but, you know, Bruce Pritchard talked about, like, they weren't able to secure it because of the war. We forget, we were in a war. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, and an event of that magnitude would require a healthy amount of security. And maybe WWE couldn't afford it, whereas... The NFL could afford security for the Super Bowl because the NFL is already by that point a multi-million, maybe billion-dollar conglomerate. Um, but the soup—that's the Super Bowl. This is WrestleMania. It's a little different. WWF, even though it was a global company, it was still a kind of a mom and pop operation. So maybe it was different. Maybe that was part of it. So I don't know. And we've talked about it again. Ticket sales sound—that sounds weird because WrestleMania six, sixty thousand yeah. people in Sky Dome. WrestleMania 8, 60,000 people in the Hoosier Dome in, in Indianapolis, of all places, too. It's not like they went right. to, like, New York City for that. They were in Indianapolis, <laughs> Nat Town. You know what I'm saying? Like, not a major city. So why wouldn't they get at least 60,000 in Los Angeles? You know, like, yeah, right. which where, where they were supposed to be for this year's WrestleMania, of course, that's not happening now because of the pandemic. They're going back to Tampa because they can have fans there. They wouldn't be able to have fans in California. California kicked out the 49ers. They're not going to let the WWE come into town. <laughs> so 
you know, they could draw, I guess 60,000 people wouldn't look good in that stadium. Regardless, we've talked about it before, but it was, it's always a thing that every time you watch a show from 1990 and even early 91, you see the ads for that WrestleMania and they're promoting the hell out of the fact that it's going to be at the Coliseum. It's always yeah. a thing that you got to, like, remember that? And it didn't happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never even crossed my mind that they weren't in the L.A. Memorial Coliseum when I was a kid. Like, I didn't know what the difference was, you know? Oh, it's of like, course. Uh, I saw, saw these, you know, the entrance they had, like, in the promo of the Memorial Coliseum with the flags and everything, and I didn't see any of that. I thought that was, like, weird, but that didn't really – that was the only thing I thought at that time as a kid. That was weird. Like, yeah. It's WrestleMania. I mean, it's big. <laughs> Whatever. I'm watching. <laughs> WrestleMania 7 was the first one I watched live. So, like, I, I wouldn't be paying attention go. to that stuff. I, I would not think, like, I didn't even think uh, last year's WrestleMania looked so much bigger than this one. <laughs> like, not even on my radar. I was a smart right. five-year-old, you know? No, of course. Of course. But, you know, it's always something that's, you know, will be forever debated, I think, amongst wrestling fans. At least if you... Uh, or a critical thinker, <laughs> I think it's worth the debate <laughs> to talk about because you got to look at it from yeah. multiple points of view yeah. in that respect. But moving on, uh, how who, uh, who wants to be in an unenviable position to have to follow the miscarriage of justice that just occurred <laughs> with the Ultimate Warrior and Gorilla Monsoon? Not Gorilla Monsoon, Sergeant Slaughter. <laughs> Gorilla Monsoon said that, but Sergeant Slaughter actually did it. Yeah. Um, so whatever followed that was going to have a tough task. And it just so happened it was Coco Beware in the Mountie. And Coco Beware's in the ring doing the flapping thing. He's flapping his arms. It's just like, nobody wants to see this at all. The <laughs> Ultimate Warrior just lost, bro. <laughs> like, to the yeah. Iraqi sympathizer. And it's, it's almost like, it reminded me of when, not the same level, obviously. Different. This was, what I'm about to, what I'm about to allude to is something on a much higher level. was when The Undertaker lost at WrestleMania. And that, but that wasn't the main event. So here comes the, I think there was still Divas at this point. The Divas Battle Royal they had that year, just some random, or what, it wasn't a Battle Royal, it was just a, a match, like a 14-person match for the championship, I think it was. Yeah, and they got, they got crickets. And it's like, no matter what followed that occurrence, it was going to die on the vine. Like, it was going to be bad. <laughs> so that's what just happened here. Um, we got Coco Beware. And his perm <laughs> out there looking like <laughs> Nat King Cole in the ring with the perm back, slick back hair. Um, only thing I had about this match was that at one point, Coco Beware, he Coco Beware, WWE Hall of Famer, but he was very, very athletic in his day. I'll give him credit for that. He's very athletic for his size. But the one thing about this match that I cared about was that Jimmy Hart taunted Frankie the Parrot. <laughs> And I thought that was hilarious to me. <laughs> you see that, Frankie? Ha! You see that, Frankie? And the parrot is like, I don't know what you're saying, sir. <laughs> I am a parrot. And I know parrots do talk sometimes, but I don't know if Frankie ever did Frankie ever talk. I don't remember. I do not remember either. This was, uh, I don't even remember Coco Beware being around much longer after I started watching. So, like, I he was at Survivor Series here, and then I was kind of like, yeah, well, Frankie, I didn't even realize like what was happening. <laughs> I was just kind of like, okay, he's 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 yelling at a bird. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> look at that, Frankie, baby, come on, baby, look, you see that, baby? 
<laughs> they couldn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Look at your boy Coco. <laughs> what a lame so, ending, though. It's like, what the hell did? What the, what the, was it like a small choke slam or something? It's like a running slam. choke slam. It's so stupid type of move. That what, that's this? this is when Gor- Gorilla said that <laughs> he hit Gorilla right in the carotid artery. <laughs> in the carotid artery. No, he did. How do you know that, Gorilla? <laughs> you know, whenever I heard that back then, I would just think it would, the spelling was like carrot with an ed at the end. So I was like, yeah, ca- carotid, ca- carotid, <laughs> carotid, carotid artery. Oh, man. What a time. Gorilla. Gorilla Monsoon and his anatomy book that he had next to him <laughs> at ringside for all the matches. Um, so now we go backstage again where Sean Mooney is talking to Randy Savage. I guess he's been, just been chilling in his locker room since then. <laughs> right. Even though you they know watched, what's they the name chasing Coco, They watched Coco versus the Mountie in the locker room. And they had to watch it. <laughs> but I want to see this match there. <laughs> I, yeah, I know. Uh, I know. <laughs> I'm on Triple H all of a sudden. <laughs> the macho man wants to watch Coco be wearing the Mountie. <laughs> this Mountie looks <laughs> really familiar. I'm <laughs> <laughs> trying to find out who he is. <laughs> yeah, I'm suspicious of him. <laughs> he looks real suspicious there. Okay, huh? <laughs> I, you imagine, imagine Randy Savage seeing like people in new gimmicks and being like, "Oh, he looks familiar. I, I know that face somewhere." Be like real suspicious. He, he would be the guy too, because he was so right. like just the stories we hear about him. Like he would be that guy. He would just just like I'm checking you out here, Max Moon. Who are you? Uh, do you know Mister Fuji? <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody, I'm to think of somebody else <laughs> that would have been around for <laughs> different gimmicks. In, I think in the, was this the Mounties like first foray back since the Rougeau brothers? Because I don't know. Like I only knew the Mountie as the Mountie before the like I didn't know the Rougeau brothers back then. So that's a good question. Yeah. Very good question. Oh, I've seen this Texas tornado somewhere on in Texas, actually. Ironically, in Texas. I think he had a couple brothers or something What's like that. What's he doing in Miami? Huh? <laughs> He's a Texas tornado. He's just mad. <laughs> I, know, I know that face somewhere. <laughs> like, Randy, it's just me. It's it's Carrie. Von Eric? <laughs> From the... The the, 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 the family, <laughs> or it's me. It's Jacques Rougeau. It's, wasn't it Jacques Rougeau? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's Jacques, it's, it's me, Jacques Rougeau. Like you know me, right? <laughs> Where's your brother at? <laughs> he's, not, he's not here right now. He's not here right now. No, I don't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> Oh is, is my, my macho man good? I don't know. I feel like it's good. Your macho man's good. All right. It's pretty so, good. It's better than mine. I made him sound like Triple H <laughs> for some reason. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, back to Macho Man though. We've been talking about him the whole time. Not only really back to him. We've been talking about him this whole time. But he's cutting his promo. 
with Sean Mooney, and that's when you hear a pounding on the door. Boom, boom, boom. It's clearly Ultimate Warrior, who clearly <laughs> caught up to Randy Savage because he probably said his name on the door outside the locker room. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, here he is. Let me in. And as soon as he starts pounding on the door, Savage and Sherry just haul ass out of there. <laughs> they didn't want nothing to do with Savage or a Warrior. And Sean Mooney just stays. Like, he, 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 he stared at the door like it's going to stop. Like if, if Ultimate Warrior opens that door and sees somebody, he might just <laughs> eat him right then and there. Like he better get out of there too, Sean Mooney. There's no telling what's gonna happen. He's gonna summon the power of the Warriors, and that might be it for you. It might be chitons for you, That's Sean it. Mooney. <laughs> so run away like you're yellow, like the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's funny. <laughs> Sean Mooney's staying just... for the ultimate simp. <laughs> right. I'm just, I'm just thinking about the, the suspicious Randy Savage now. Just seeing people with different gimmicks. I'm just imagining like, he wasn't in WWF at that point, but I've seen this Kane guy somewhere. Like, he doesn't even have a mask on. He looks familiar. It's, it's Glenn, Randy. It's me, Glenn. <laughs> Who's this roadie guy? I've seen that face. Or road dog. We road dog. I've seen that road dog before. I've seen his face. It's me, Brian Armstrong, I was the roadie. And who is this rockabilly guy? Or Billy Rockabilly? It's me, Billy Gunn from the Smoking Guns. Remember? <laughs> Remember? Didn't you and Bart have a falling out? Like, what you doing back here? Remember? Billy Gunn, who are you? Bad Mr. Ass. Yeah, I'm the same. It's my same name, even. I'm still Billy Gunn. I don't believe you. You're The Rock? I don't know about that. Let's see your face. Weren't you Rocky Maivia? Triple you don't, H. You don't look like Don Morocco. <laughs> Who the hell is Doc, Doc Hendricks? <laughs> oh, man, Doc. <laughs> Live wire legend. Doc oh, Hendricks. my God. Triple H. You look awfully familiar there, Triple H. Almost like a guy I knew called Hunter Hearst Helmsley. <laughs> 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 what happened God, to all is... those words in your name? Right. Uh, that needs to be like a sketch comedy show. He's just, <laughs> just mad suspicious about people. <laughs> Even though it's the same person. He's mad the, paranoid the all the time. The greatest thing that I love about him was Jim Ross saying, like, Randy never trusted him when Jim Ross came over from WW. <laughs> like, he thought he was a spy or something for WCW. Or something. <laughs> I don't know if he ever said that, but the way... Ross talks about it. He makes it seem like Randy was so paranoid, like he was trying to, you know, like I guess get trade secrets for WCW. But he wound up going there anyway a few years later. <laughs> right, <laughs> big spy guy. Then this they Hulk came, they cut guy. Where is he from? And then they cut a check, and he's like, "Oh, I like this WCW now." <laughs> you know what? They're not too bad. <laughs> he probably thought it was WWF because so many WWF guys were there at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah Gene there, you had Hogan there, Knobs and Sags, I think, were there by that point. Jimmy Hart. <laughs> yeah, Bunch of people. Yeah. Hacksaw Jim The whole Duncan Hogan crew. Haku. Yeah, yeah. All those guys. So. Crazy. Going back now 
during the arena again, Gorilla Monsoon and Piper, they recap the WWE title match, talk about how it was a miscarriage of justice in the whole nine. Then we get an interview with Mean Gene talking to Sergeant Slaughter, who's still somehow talking in that voice. Wild stuff. I don't know how he did it. <laughs> um, I'm sure he needed another lozenge after. And this is when Piper oh, mocked yeah. Adnan. Yeah. Adnan was, you know, doing his thing. And then they they were so upset though. They were just cut they were on the verge of cussing him out. Like they were just like, You dirty rotten and all this and that. And I was like, damn. They dirty were, they son were of an mad. unnamed goat. That's that's exactly what yeah, we so. got. Son of a what, what did John Cena say? Son of a yeah, son, son of, of a, a mustard sandwich. <laughs> and then here we are, twenty years prior. It's son of an unnamed goat. Incredible. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Then we get to a video where they talk to some fans <laughs> on camera, and they were wishing the troops good luck, and. And I understood what the purpose of this was. You want to send support to the troops. Yeah. Because regardless of why, you know, we may not agree why the troops are fighting a war or fighting, you know, country or whatever. We may not agree with the people making the decisions, you know, for these wars and whatnot, these conflicts. But I think anybody with a sane mind can still agree, like, yo, we still support the people who are fighting, you know. Yeah. They're following orders. They're the ones who are giving their lives. Yeah, you may not agree with why. On the line. Like, even if you don't agree with it, they're still putting their lives on the line. So you want to uh, give them, you know, support. I mean, it, right. I don't want to see these people lose their lives, mm-hmm. you know. It's a shame that some of them might because mm-hmm. of uh, something that we don't agree with. Look at Vietnam War. Yeah. Look at any war. You know, there's, there's, I'm sure there's some people out there who are like, man, I wish we weren't fighting because war is ugly, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. So, but is is I understand why again, anyone would be like I support the troops. I think anybody, I think everybody supports the troops. You don't want these people to lose their lives. Uh, you know what I don't like are the people who come back from the military and then they militarize the police and they join militias. You know, as if they're still overseas in the war. It's like no, you're a police officer now. You're supposed to protect the citizens, not beat the hell out of them and yeah. act like a sitting military force. Mm-hmm. And and militia, what we saw that what happened when militias get out of control. We saw that you know January sixth when they stormed the Capitol. Yeah, uh, we had and, uh, and, politicians and, giving them a, a you know tour. Right, and unfortunately, there are former members of the military in in these groups who yeah. do this stuff, and that's unfortunate to me. It's unfortunate. It is because you defend the country now. You're you're storming the Capitol. That's wild. Literally, they they talk about radical like Islam and whatnot. And, these these people are being radicalized by American, you know, right BS, here. BS and uh, it's a sad scene, right, right here. But again, uh, no matter what side of the aisle on, what your political ideology is, I think anybody with uh, uh, with an empathy would be like, I support these men and women who are putting their lives on the line every day. But the thing about this video that I found, it was just just something that's just striking in that. A lot of people were like, you know, come home safe, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when you know that this is a war, that's not what's going to happen. Not everybody's going to come home safe, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people are like, yeah, go over there and kick butt. Do what's right. Get the job done. It's like, do you understand what kicking butt and getting yeah. the job done entails in a war? Right. right. And I, I do wonder <laughs> uh, how different 
it played on TV back then because, yeah, it was on the news. CNN was around. You know, the news was still around, and they would show, like, stuff happening as it happened. It became, like, a first glimpse into what happens during war where we could see in real time and not, like, just have stories or anything like that. And uh, But I, I do wonder if a lot of these people that were saying that stuff understood, like... If I don't they, think so. If they were following the news, what did the news look like? Um, was it truthful? Was it honest? Were they being told, you know, lies by the U.S. and stuff like that? Like, I don't know. Uh, I haven't I, really I, talked I, with my parents about it. I don't know how much they paid attention at the time. I was five years old, and my sister was nine. So they had, you know, their hands full with me and her. And, like, I don't know. They, they worked... Both my parents worked growing up, so you know they focused on that. I don't know exactly, like that's why I never really asked, like how much they knew about this war, like how it was playing to the masses at the time. You're listening to the Straight Shooters, featuring Vaughn Johnson and Nick Picone, giving you the best and worst in the world of professional wrestling, past and present. The Straight Shooters Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, the Radio.com app, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Spreaker, Player FM, and wherever else you listen to your podcasts. You can become a patron of The Straight Shooters for only $2 per month by signing up at patreon.com forward slash shooters radio. You'll get exclusive content never before heard from two of the best. You can also listen to classic episodes of The Straight Shooters at ShootersRadio.com. Yeah, it's just, I mean, obviously, I, I don't think that was the case back then when people really fully understood because it's easy to kind of not have to think about that when a war is not happening on your soil, too. When the war is happening right in your face, you see the devastation that a war entails like you see the lives that are lost and the destruction that it causes and i know it's it, it's war is literally freed this country and gave it its independence so i understand in some cases people it's necessary you know war would literally freed the slaves you know what i'm saying and if it wasn't for that we wouldn't have these podcasts right now because i probably wouldn't be able to read or write you know what i'm yeah. saying like i wouldn't yeah. have been allowed to been allowed to so it's necessary, I guess, for progress in some respects, but, I, you know, I'd prefer not to happen, obviously, but I don't think people fully grasp what it entails. You read about it in your textbooks, and it's like, America triumphed over the British, and, and we freed the slaves, you know, we fought for uh, the Union in, 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 in Civil War, and this, that, and the third, and it's like, and so, especially when, like I said, when it's, when it's happening somewhere else, it's, it, it probably feels like in a competition, like it's the Olympics, like, go over there and win, and it's like, yeah. Us winning and us getting the job done and us kicking butt and means that we're killing people. People are dying. And 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 I guess, you know, these people are seen as evil. They are terroristic threats and they're they're, you know, they're taking away other people's freedoms and then we're there to give it back to them. But war means people are dying. People are getting shot between the eyes. <laughs> like mm. losing the even if they don't die, they're coming back with without a limb or something like that or permanently psychologically emotionally scarred from it like war is ugly you know and it's almost played up like it was like a competition i think maybe we're more aware of the actual consequences of war nowadays hopefully uh i don't but that's i don't yeah, know if we are because e- people even it, even like 
after the Iraq war, I didn't really fully understand like the people coming back that were, you know, scarred, you know, mentally um, from what they went through. And I finally started realizing over the last 10 years, really, um, as I grew up, like understanding, like listening to these people. Um, back then, you know, it, it was hard. Like there was no medium for, you know, it was just like, okay, keep the troops safe. They come back, they'll, they're fine. Like, I don't know if very many people, like the average Joe, I should say, like these people that were talking and giving these messages would have known like how exactly war goes. Uh, it seemed like one guy, though, had somebody over there that he knew. He, he said, like, hi, Alex. Like, like, I guess he had a friend that was over there. Uh, so maybe he understood. But still, it was just kind of like a weird thing where, yeah, I don't, I don't think back then a lot of people knew exactly what war entailed. Uh, they just had stories to go by and you know if you don't have like now we have videos now we have literally first-hand accounts primary accounts we have and at our fingertips if we wanted we could just search something on google and find something from a soldier over there that they wrote or a video or something like that so yeah definitely think it was a different time then where the average show didn't grasp exactly what war was then were how it affected yeah, it's just how it affected you know those troops over there. No, especially. Yeah, it's it's ugly, man. It's real bad, and it's even worse too. You know, because society we don't always treat our veterans well when they come back. So you got people who are homeless, people who don't land jobs and stuff like that, and we don't help them out. We we do a poor job if they can help them out. We do a better job at least. And there are programs like the the Warrior Project. You got the families of fallen soldiers like Taps. They help people a lot, and you know. You know, people who've lost their loved ones in the war. It's just, like I said, I think any person with a heart, any person with a with empathy, can empathize with a troop. You know, with a with a with a member of the military because they do risk their lives. It's just, at least in '91, I don't think we quite fully grasped what was happening. You know, when people just go over there and get the job done. It's like mm-hmm. that means we're going to kill a bunch of people. I mean, a bunch of people going to die. Mm-hmm. It's messed up. War is not good, and I think as a society, even to this day, we're kind of spoiled that we haven't had a real war on our soil in what since the Civil War. Uh, I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, guess, maybe yeah. there's been a little something here and there after that. But I don't, I don't recall if there's a real war on our soil. Maybe somebody out there, if you, you probably remember if something has happened on our soil since then. Please correct me, but uh, we haven't really had. We, we're we're lucky in that respect, where other countries are not. So, uh, we we don't look at it the same way, and I think it's probably still probably to that that way to this day. You know, when we when we got attacked in nine eleven, people were like go over there and get them, and it's like, man, this is this is ugly. This is gonna get bad. Mm. I'm sure people came back from the second Gulf War, and it's like, you know, it changed them. People lost their lives. People are still losing their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, so. I just I just found that interesting from that video. Again, I get the point of it, but it's still just like, man, this is this is odd. This is odd. So, moving on, we get a promo from a bunch of Royal Rumble participants, <laughs> including Earthquake, who I always love Earthquake when he just sways back and forth during his promos. <laughs> yeah. He just bounces back and forth because he's Earthquake, so he's got to constantly be like rumbling all the time, yeah. you know. Yeah. <laughs> took that quite literally with his name so hey, it set him apart <laughs> it sure did, did i was like hey this guy he's a he's a menace 
<laughs> He's a menace. He can't even stop moving. <laughs> can't even stop moving. So after the promos, a parade of promos from everybody, including The Undertaker and Brother Love, which yeah. even though that was the original pairing they had for The Undertaker, it's still an odd pairing. Still weird. And it actually lasted longer than I originally thought because I, I thought Paul Bearer was brought in almost right away. But no, nah, he, he was there by WrestleMania 7. But uh, yeah, it was like months of Brother Love uh, and The Undertaker. Yeah. So I got that. Cracked me up, though. Tugboat. Honk, honk. He went, Hawkster, if it comes down to you and me, well, (laughs) what? What the hell does that mean? (laughs) What you you talking about? Speaking of Hawkster, we're going to talk about his promo later, um, (laughs) which was entertaining. He flopped his line. in a good way. (laughs) He he did. He did. Uh, But before that, we got tag team match. Tag team match player, Ted DiBiase and Virgil going up against... Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes. And this is before Dustin was the natural in WCW. He's in WWF still. But yeah, um, he was gold dust here. Crazy. <laughs> he's he gold dust. Could you imagine? <laughs> oh, that man. I mean, it was wild in ninety five right? when they first debuted. Can you imagine ninety one? Only four years earlier, but it seemed like a whole totally different time. I, I wonder if Vince had the idea back then and Dusty was like, Nope, no, 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 no. I don't know, but one thing I did like though was Dusty Rhodes' WWF theme song. It was always yeah. it was a cool jingle. Like it made me tap my toe and <laughs> bop my head. I always like Dusty Rhodes' theme song. Dusty Rhodes, of course, is I enjoyed one of the greatest it, uh, of all time. More here because he wasn't wearing the polka dots, so I was like, okay, that's true. Okay. That's true. That's true. I don't think he wore it either at Survivor Series. I think he was done with it by the end of his run mm. here the last few months. So I do not recall, but. In this match, though, we got Dustin doing a lot of dusty, a lot of Dusty's mannerisms, including the bionic elbow. I noted that Dusty hit Ted DiBiase with a bionic elbow, like in the top of his head, like twelve times. Like <laughs> he did it so many times. Like that man has to be brain damaged at some point. Like you can't get hit with an elbow on the top of your head in reality and just not suffer a concussion. No. But DiBiase somehow not only went through that and survived. He actually attacked his own tag team partner, tossed him out of the ring, and then still somehow won the match. <laughs> Which is wild. Uh, hey, we're not going to give you the world title, but here, be three people up. So. Right. And one night. Then he turned around and got on the mic and demanded that Virgil got the million dollar belt, the million dollar championship, got into the ring, and put it around his waist. Virgil. At first, got the belt, got into the ring, and then tossed it down. And people went, yay! And then DiBiase was like, nope. What about your family? He, he what wasn't about your mom? It. He was like, I right. knew, he was like, he knew he was going to do that. Right. <laughs> I knew you would do that. So and then he talked about his mom. Was like, remember your family, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And then Virgil, he told Virgil to get down and grab the belt and put it around my waist. And Virgil got down. Virgil grabbed the belt. And then DiBiase turned around. I was like, yeah, you see what I'm talking about here? And the Virgil popped his ass with the belt. <laughs> and the fans, the fans went, uh, they went nuts. Yeah. And this is easily the highlight of Virgil's career because after this, it went nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> they did not do anything on that. Well, they did not capitalize I'm, on this at all. Th- he did win uh, 
the title I think of WrestleMania, the million dollar title, which was also that's true. a, a that's great true. moment. Yeah. Um, but I'll then he like lost it right back to Million Dollar Man, and then after <laughs> after that, it was completely downhill. But this little uh, section of his career, and hey, I'm watching this for like the first time as a, as a I loved Virgil. I was like, yes, like this guy's awesome. That is the first time <laughs> anybody's ever said that on any podcast ever. I loved Virgil. No one has ever said that. Not even on the Virgil podcast, anybody say that. Why is your name Virgil? <laughs> Weren't you? He, he meets Virgil in WCW. He's like, Vincent, you look familiar. <laughs> uh-huh, I'm on to you, Vincent. He's saying NWO for life. Uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> hey, two-faced uh, person, huh? <laughs> he just sees all the WWF guys like, oh, you Scott Hall, huh? <laughs> If that's your real name, it's like that. That is I actually. Uh, whatever you say, Razor Ramon. I know who it was you. It's like that's not my real name. <laughs> my real name is Scott Hall. Like that's my actual name, Macho. Like Mach, this is me, Scott. Remember? <laughs> why you have? Why do you have the toothpick, huh? <laughs> and don't you talk, Nash? I know who you are Diesel. <laughs> Big Danny That's not cool, my name. Huh? <laughs> Big sexy, eh? You don't look very cool to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to do that more often. I'm kind of getting the hang of it. Oh my it. god, I love it. It's such a stupid <laughs> thing. It is. <laughs> just be suspicious and paranoid of everybody. <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. That's gonna. That's definitely a. Uh, a bit now on this podcast oh yeah it's great it's <laughs> but great. I, I, i'm serious i like this was my yes i watched wrestling virgil was ted dibiase bodyguard but then he turned on him the crowd was so much behind him roddy piper really sold it for me too because he's like yes like after he hit him <laughs> and he was like in his corner of wrestlemania like virgil was a oh, big yeah, deal to me about in, that. he was a big deal to me in 1991 and so I was after I realized, like, okay, they're not going to do anything with him, like, late 91 into 92, I was kind of, like, not as, obviously, as uh, behind him. But, uh, yeah, I was a big Virgil guy. As soon as Virgil walked out with those barbershop pole tights he had in 91, <laughs> yeah, that was you should have known that, that was, he wasn't See, going See, it took anywhere. a while. It took a while for him to get there, though, because, like, you know, it, he, he didn't just go right to that. Uh during a singles run like he wore like shorts at some point too so they had Virgil on it was almost like boxing shorts but they were tights and they had Virgil like on the waistband or something it almost looked like boxing shorts to me in a way but um, mm. yeah like Virgil was the man no he wasn't <laughs> I know I know <laughs> he was your guy but he wasn't the man I'm sorry I hate to break it to you I hate I hate to knock I don't want to disparage your brother now <laughs> But let's just call a spade a spade. You know what I'm saying? We can't we can't lie. <laughs> We're the straight shooters. Just, we call it like it is. Literally our gimmick. <laughs> we can't lie to the people. You know. Yeah. Now here we are. The main event of the evening, the Royal Rumble match. Of course, 30 people come in, one person wins. You know the deal. This is the Royal Rumble. Uh, of course, really, nothing's on the line, though. So it's not like nah. it's like a lot of stake. There's no title match. There's no title. It's just you're the Royal Rumble winner, and that's it. Out first 
is yeah, Brett. We got to talk the about Manhart. Uh, oh, Hogan's I, I forgot. Yes, I skipped over. My bad. <laughs> Hulk Hogan's promo with Mean Gene Oakland, where he talked about <laughs> while he's talking, Mean Gene gets a an instant like thing in his ear, <laughs> an unconfirmed oh, report. <laughs> unconfirmed. Why are you telling me, bro? It's not even confirmed. Can you confirm it first? Are you looking at him do this right now? Don't, don't tell me about it. So this unconfirmed report is that Sergeant Slaughter is defacing the American flag <laughs> as we speak. Like somebody is looking at him do it. It's like, yo, get Gene on the horn right now and tell everybody. There's no camera, though. <laughs> no camera. And there's no telling what he actually did to the flag. It's just he's defacing it. Yeah. So he could be like riding a smiley face on yeah. it or something. <laughs> I was going to say, he probably has a Sharpie. It's just like drawing cartoons or something. Right. He could be doing anything. He's defacing the flag. <laughs> And this is so important enough. And I guess maybe look, he was adding the patriotic. Maybe he was adding a blue line to it. Jesus, <laughs> that's Undertaker. Undertaker was doing that with him. <laughs> <laughs> Undertaker had the blue sharpie. It was like <laughs> perfect. <laughs> Randy Savage. That doesn't look right to me, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Not the record. Like, what's that blue line in there? <laughs> That doesn't belong there. The blue belongs in the in the in the box there. <laughs> yeah, the box. <laughs> you see, it's, it's a perfect square, you know. <laughs> oh my god! But so Mean Gene gets his <laughs> Mean Gene gets his alert in his ear. Oh, unconfirmed report. <laughs> what yeah. the hell? Uh, and then that makes Hulk Hogan irate. He is yeah. mad. Was one thing <laughs> you can. You can make fun of his receding hairline. You can, you can do anything you want, but you don't deface old glory. Of course, don't do that. <laughs> so, at one point, he's so upset that he clearly forgets his line. He's just like, and 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 he looks at Gene. He's just like, save me, brother. <laughs> save me. <laughs> Pretty much. Saddam Hussein, Saddam Hussein, yeah, yeah. I hate him too. <laughs> like he, he got oh, lost. Man. That's how that's how mad Hogan was though. He was, was so mad so, about it this. It was such a weird way to get to what they were going for. Um, I had no idea what temporary meant, by the way. And it was like Slaughter's reign is going to be just like Saddam's reign over Kuwait, only temporary. Like that's that's <laughs> such a lame thing. Like. That was bad. Hogan got mad at Slaughter because he defaced the flag. Mm. I guess it's a good reason. I don't know. And he messed up his One line. of the first times I've ever seen that, too. I didn't see it much after this or before it. Like, he flubbed the line. I was like, man. Flubbed it. Mm. Straight up flubbed it. So. But, yeah, that happened. We had to talk about that because that was just stupid. Huh? Unconfirmed, Unconfirmed. reports here. It's probably Sean Mooney. No, no, no. He wouldn't do that. He wouldn't do that. Pettengill was the guy. Get, get, he wasn't, he wasn't just, there, man. No, he was. He, he was, just, he, he, he he was like a um, camera. He would have been like, hey, let's get this on. He was like deep throat. He was like sitting in the park, parking garages and <laughs> <in the> shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got, a, I got a tip for you here. Yeah. Slaughter's somewhere facing the flag. You didn't hear it from me, though. And just <laughs> steps back into the shadows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, moving on though. Again, main event, the Royal Rumble. And our first is Brett the Hitman Hart. And the first he's going to go up against for two minutes is a fellow Canadian, Dino Bravo. Ah. 
How about that? Who was from Montreal, or he wrestled in Montreal a lot, obviously. It's just, that was his home base, which is, of course, where Bret Hart got screwed over by Vince McMahon. So, yeah, Bret screwed Bret. There dude. you go. That's what they say. That's what Vince McMahon said. <laughs> Think about how wild that was. He screwed this man over, and then little went on TV, thought he was a good guy. I was like, no, I didn't do it. Brett, it's Brett's fault. Brett screwed Brett. And it's the so audacity. crazy that he was like, he wouldn't lose. He thought he was bigger than losing. It's like, what? Like, you're really talking about this Yeah, that's wild. That's wild. But it's, it's that, that's, that was obviously a part of the, that was a shoot, obviously. But the shoot, Vince McMahon literally thought for a shoot that it was Brett's fault the whole yeah, time. Yeah. <laughs> Brett did this to himself. What a... What a, a weird thing to say. Like, that's stuff like abusers yeah, said. Like, I didn't want to have to do that to you, you know but you made crazy? me do it. Yeah, exactly. And that's probably, like, if, I wonder if it just messed up Brett's WCW run from the start. Because, I mean, WCW definitely did that. But, like, maybe they were, like, maybe Bischoff was really like, wow, maybe Brett's hard to do business with. And like maybe, it, maybe he had something there. I don't know. I don't think... Eric Bischoff was taking cues of Vince McMahon in '97, but in hindsight, well, Vince McMahon look where, was. Well, look what happened. Well, yeah, <laughs> and I'm saying in '97, I don't think that was the case. But Vince McMahon cutting a super problematic promo in '97. <laughs> I didn't do it. It wasn't my fault. You made me do this. No, you did it. It's your decision yeah. at the end of the day. Like no one forced your hand. You're the boss. Ah, back to a corner. <laughs> like I had to do it. <laughs> You know what's crazy is like he, he could have done whatever and just strip Brett of the title and like be like, okay, you're not coming on TV anymore. Give me the title back. And Brett probably would have done it. Like, I got to believe. Like, even if he just, mm-hmm. I don't think Brett would have really, I believe him when he said he wouldn't go to Nitro with the title. So you just do that Shabazz finish and then be like, okay, you're out of here. Like, give me the title. You're stripped. And then just the next night be like, you stripped him of the title. He's gone. But then we wouldn't have 1998. <laughs> Nope, we're not. Uh, back to 1991, and Dino Bravo and Bret Hart. Of course, Dino Bravo, unfortunately, was uh, murdered in his home in Montreal back in, I believe, in 93. Uh, they did a whole dark side of the ring on Dino Bravo, and I think yeah. his murder is still unsolved. So, Yeah, I was... feel like uh, I think he knew his killers, but I uh, just don't know who, like, part of that, uh, whatever, that cartel, right, or something like that. Mafia. <laughs> yeah, he was, watching, he was watching a good old hockey game. And they came. And of course. Yeah. Yeah, so recipes of Dino Bravo. Uh, but yeah, he's out there, Bret Hart. He's fighting. And out at number three is Greg the Hammer Valentine, who is beating up on Bravo, which is like, whoa, they're supposed yeah. to be bad guys. Relax. What happened? You know, and then Valentine eliminated Dino Bravo. It's like, damn, what happened here? <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen, but whatever. Out fourth. Paul Roman, one half of power and glory. He's out with Ugh. Slick, and he's you know he helps Valentine beat up on Bret Hart. Why you he make was, that sound about Paul Roman? He, he was probably at the Capitol on January sixth too. Oh, he's one of he's one of those guys. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, you know, of course, of course, you got the T on all the like <laughs> all the, like obscure wrestling names: Billy Silverman and Paul <laughs> Roma. Like you know, it's, <laughs> like it's I don't got the T on none of these people. It's terrible. Um, his he has a podcast called Maintaining the Truth. It's like uh, anytime Uh-oh. that people use the the word truth, <laughs> yeah, you absolutely right. know it's all BS. So. It's a conspiracy theory podcast. <laughs> yeah. So 
Absolutely brutal. I actually posted on his because we were like Facebook friends for a while. Like he just accepted what? Whatever. Yeah, like you were and, Facebook <laughs> friends with Paul Roma. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> what a random Facebook <laughs> friend. <laughs> and uh, he posted something, and I just wrote that he was a clown. <laughs> like that was all I did. <laughs> that's and, right, Nick. Standing up to Paul Roma. That's right, man. You can, I don't care how cool your finish was. The rocket launcher. Get out of here. Uh, but yeah, it was uh, qu- quite an interesting thing, like seeing these people come out of the woodwork, uh, especially this year. So, oh yeah, uh, and he's one of them. So he is probably one of the people today that was like watching the inauguration and waiting for the storm to happen oh, from yeah. QAnon, and were like, well, "Where is it? <laughs> like, I don't see no precipitation today. I didn't see that one. I didn't, I didn't see that one bit of precipitation from the storm they're talking about. Like, what happened today? What happened?" <laughs> What did they? Ha- they're literally saying that. It's late. I saw stories. It's late. It's like, have we been duped? Oh, Are we yeah. stupid? Yeah. <laughs> this is not what I envisioned. Maybe Paul Romer's like that because he he's maintaining the truth. Okay, oh, absolutely. I didn't brutal. know. Why like do you have second the tea? grade second grade PowerPoint presentation graphic that he has for oh, like boy. The, the logo? I mean, like our logo rules. So that's what I'm it saying. does. That's all I'm saying. Does. Shout out to the who's, who made the logo. I forget the guy's name. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Mike. Mike. He has like Mike. A, a weird last name, but Mike. Mike B. So. Mike B. We Mike paid him, so man. don't worry about we it. Did. We, we, we gave him his uh his just due. <laughs> but Paul Roma, apparently a sucker. I didn't know. Yeah, <laughs> like, he's, he's apparently a, former Facebook friend of yours. What? <laughs> well, he actually, Why? still is. I did not defriend him yet because I cannot wait. I, to delve into more of his posts, so oh, yeah, I, I yeah, did get rid of today. I did get rid of Billy Silverman though because he was absolutely brutal. Why were so, you friends with them? I I think it was like years ago that I've they I, I must have been friends with like independent wrestlers that were friends. Yeah, with, yeah. You know, it was connections, and then they would show up on my people who you may know, and like Paul Romo was up there. I was like, ah, okay, so friend, friend <laughs> request. You know, Paul didn't even Roma. care back then. Obviously, I'm much more due diligent now. But, you know, five years ago, I wasn't, so. I would have been the same way. Paul Roma, <laughs> one half of Power and Glory, a former Dude, I was, fri- I was friends with Del Wilkes on, on <laughs> Facebook, and <laughs> I don't think I am anymore. I either muted him or got rid of him, so. Wow. Yeah. He is the Patriot, so you he know he was at the Capitol. <laughs> <laughs> he is <Yeah>. the Patriot. <laughs> maybe he's He had Q. to maybe, be there. Maybe he's Q. Who the hell knows? They were all there. They all overlapped. <laughs> The Venn diagram was a circle at oh, the, yeah. the Capitol. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is one circle. But uh, so, yeah, I, he he had to have funny. been there. He had to be there just to live up his gimmick as the Patriot. <laughs> right? He's probably there in his tights and everything. It'd be wild if he's nowhere near like that and it's just like we're just making stuff up about him. That'd be messed up. <laughs> <laughs> if oh, he's well. not like that at all. <laughs> well, like, no, we apologize, I mean, like, Del Wilkes. I've seen, like, he's definitely a pro Trump guy. So, ah. but not, not, uh, you know, based on things, obviously, he said and, uh, you know, what he said about it, even Obama back then, uh, didn't oh. really, you know, c- care much for people's political opinions back then, but they hold a lot more weight now. So oh, yeah, yeah. I definitely uh, keep a lookout for that just to see who has a good head on their shoulders. That's all. Oh, goofy-ass Paul Roma. Mm. <laughs> out there with Slick. If Hercules was still alive, he probably slapped the crap out of him. As he should. But our fifth is Texas Tornado. 
who knocked who did knock the hell out of Paul Roman and, Paul, and Greg Valentine when he got in the ring. He, my guy, right? He just he was beating everybody up in the ring, making them look stupid. Uh, so yeah, we got that happening. And out number six is the model Rick Martel, who's low key one of my favorite characters. Yeah, he was great. You know, I had a, just like, as a character, he was great. A different appreciation for him in that I didn't hate him. I hated what he did to Jake Roberts, obviously, but like. <laughs> I was like, he literally, I was like, yeah, he's got muscles. Like, he looks good. Why wouldn't he, you know, flaunt that? <laughs> right. So, yeah, he was, Rick Martel was dope. He was, he, I don't think he got his, uh, he's, he's really gotten his just due over the years. Rick Martel was a very talented performer. Yeah, great character. And he was great as the model. Right. Yes. He's great yeah. as a model. Uh, number seven, racist ass Samba Samba. Not really, I won't call him racist. The gimmick <laughs> is racist. I just hate it. I just hate it. Tony Atlas deserved better. Uh, yeah, so did. not much is happening here. Really, no eliminations to at least speak of. Out comes Bushwhacker Butch at number eight. That's when Simba gets tossed out by Martel. So the less time I have to see that gimmick, the better. Sorry, Tony. That's just the way it is, bro. But you got paid, and you weren't homeless you, you, you on you that park bench me. no more. You know, it got me a little weird. Like the ref was right in his face, be like, "You're out of here." It's like, <laughs> relax, dude. It might have been Mike Kyoto or something. It's like, dude, relax. You know, speaking of a ref. Here. Speaking of a ref. Shane McMahon was one of the refs out there. Did you notice oh, that? Oh, I did not catch that. Wow. I, I caught that. He was okay. definitely one of the refs out there. I've mentioned them in somewhere in my notes here. Um, <laughs> right after Simba got eliminated, though, Gorilla forgot he was eliminated. He's like, where's Simba? <laughs> he, <did. laughs> like, he just got tossed out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot. I forgot. <laughs> Piper's probably like, I can just imagine him looking at him and just be like, he's gone, dude. <laughs> Like he just got eliminated. Like he's like, where is he at? Where's Simba? At? Where'd he go? I can't see him. It's like you can't see him because he's backstage. He's not here anymore. <laughs> he's in the shower right now. <laughs> Number nine, Jake Roberts comes out and immediately fights Rick Martel, which is we see the reverse next year at ninety two when we see Macho Man just go after Jake Roberts. Uh, which, by the so way, they just, gave that away. I was angry about that during their pre, pre-Rumble promos. They did. Mm. But, you know, it, it's just interesting to see Jack Roberts in the, the other role this year, yeah. the year, year prior. Yeah. Uh, they both left the ring, but they weren't eliminated since it didn't go over the top rope. They eventually got back in. Uh, number 10, the other half of Power and Glory, Hercules, who was helping out Paul Romer for a little bit. And then in comes Tito Santana at number 11. And just as Tito Santana was getting in the ring, Paul Romer, just like the idiot that he is, eliminated himself when he jumped over. <laughs> so I forget who he jumped over. I think it's Texas Tornado. And they just ducked, and he went wee over the top rope and eliminated. So, yeah, bye bye, Paul Romer. Yeah, that he sucks. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason Art Anderson didn't want him in the Horseman. That's it. What? <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. I, that's you learn every you learn something new every day, man. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, learn something new every day. Moving on, we got number twelve. We got the Undertaker. He comes in with Paul, not Paul Bear, Which is so brother weird, Love, isn't it? Like the way he didn't, he wasn't walking slow. He that was like maybe the I don't remember his entrance the next year, but like this was a weird entrance for the character of the Undertaker. Well, you, I mean, this is what that? it was at at that point. At but the time, eventually. Yeah, but, at the, at, and eventually, of course, it evolved, and they had a yeah. bunch of theatrics and the lights and the smoke and the music and everything yeah, else. He was, he was hustling like everyone else. I mean, he wasn't running, yeah. but he was he was walking quickly. Yeah, at a like, brisk pace. This is weird. Like, see the Undertaker yeah. like this. 
Yeah, they 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 uh figured it out over the years with the Undertaker yeah. and how to present that character. In the beginning, you can tell they're still figuring it out. He's just like you said, just walking at a brisk pace to the ring. The lights aren't down. The, there's no music. There was no music for anyone. Which when I was watching this with my girlfriend, she's like, "Why? Where's the music for everybody? I'm used to seeing <laughs> hearing the music. I'm like, this is just not what they did back then. It's like, oh, this is boring. <laughs> I want to hear the music. So I'm sitting here loving it. I'm like, yeah. I wish it was like this. <laughs> I love the aerial view they had, and then the the yeah, that smaller the square box. of the entrance. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, the double box. Like we're watching uh, Red Zone. <laughs> <laughs> We need a quad box on the Royal Rumble. Oh, I just gave them an idea. Mm. Instead of instead of ten camera cuts per second, yeah, how about you do like go Scott Hansen and do a quad <laughs> box or, or a triple box? Yeah, you won't miss Edge's spear. <laughs> exactly, they wouldn't have missed it last year if we had a triple box. You know what I'm saying? You know, yeah. we we don't necessarily need Scott Hansen to. You know, he's he's the best by the way, Scott Hansen when he does with Red Zone, but um. We don't necessarily need him to, you know, go back and forth. We just every now and then when there's something a lot of stuff going on, you can keep the camera on the ring, give us a double box or whatever, triple box, or even the quad I know for the one o'clock games, they do the octo box. It's like, whoa mm. eight boxes. Like it's crazy. It's Liddy. So I can't wait. I can't wait till week one next year. <laughs> Get another octo box, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> But uh Undertaker comes in, he eliminates Bret Hart, but throw him over the top rope by his neck. At number 13 is Jimmy Superfly Snooker. And then at the same time, Undertaker tossed out Bushwhacker Butch. At number 14 comes British Bulldog, followed by Demolition Smash and his BDSM outfit at number 15. Because <laughs> this is the first time my girlfriend has ever seen somebody from Demolition. And she's like, what is he? He's wearing a harness. Like He's in a BDSM. I was like... Yeah, and they were the badasses. <laughs> they were the badasses. So, it comes Demolition Smash. And this is where I saw Shane McMahon when uh, they were telling people to get back into the ring. They were almost out of the ring. They were like, get back in. Get in. And I, I saw Shane McMahon. At the same time, Jake Roberts, Jake Roberts gets tossed out. Mm. So, that's what happens. Now, we're, at the, we're past the halfway point. We're at Road Warrior Hawk at number 16. He comes in and just beats everybody up. <laughs> like, what a moron. Well, no, I take the opposite. Everybody beats him up. Well, no, he, he jumped in and started hitting everyone, and then they all jump him. That's true. He's like, yeah. why'd you hit me? Get that. <laughs> <laughs> Who hit me? Oh, you hit me? <laughs> everybody. And they just clubbed the hell out of him. <clears throat> cool. That was pretty funny. And then at 17, we get not Dean Douglas, Shane Douglas. His actual, well, not really his actual <laughs> name, but his. Name the wrestling name we know him by, yeah, <clears throat> Shane Douglas. So he's at number 17, and this is when Jimmy Snooker gets tossed out. So lots happening at this point, and then 18 comes around. We hear the buzzer, we look at the entrance way, and no one comes out. And there's no explanation as to who that was supposed to be. It's just like, oh, I guess we just right. skip right past that. But according to the story, that was supposed to be Randy Savage, mm. but Randy Savage. Never showed because he was chased out of the building by the ultimate ultimate simp, the <laughs> ultimate warrior. So I did my job for the night. I'm out of here. This <laughs> <laughs> is creating conspiracies about number eighteen. Like, Whoa! <laughs> I get another chance in the rumble, don't I? Oh man! Uh-huh. Listen, I like how they explain that with the next entrant. Once the next entrant hit the ring, then that 
whoever was number 18 forfeited their spot. Oh, I, I missed and that. Gorilla's, okay. Gorilla Monsoon said that. So uh, technically, this was only a 29-man Royal Rumble. Mm, there you go. So it's not like when Curtis Axel was like, I'm still in the Royal no. Rumble because he never got in. <laughs> no. They just never, when they just never said, hey, the next guy comes in, you're eliminated. They established that they did. 16 years prior in 1991, <laughs> and they just forgot all about it. Because that was, yep. what, 2015? When Curtis oh, Axel was doing that? And, was that and in the Philly? Axel Mania? Was that Philly? Yeah, that was in oh, Philly, wow. yeah. When Axel Mania was running wild yeah, <laughs> for like a re- month. I do remember that. That was funny. <clears throat> But they establish you establish this yourself, and it's just like, nope, we're just gonna make a, a somewhat of a story out of it, and then yeah. forget it, forget that too. So there you go. <laughs> World Warrior Animals coming in at number nineteen, and he helped Hawk eliminate the Undertaker. But Hawk didn't last too much longer. He got tossed out. I don't know who tossed him out, but he was tossed out <laughs> soon after. Then we got he- Demolition Crush at number twenty. Yeah. Go ahead. I was just say. Uh- he went out with the Undertaker, right? Or like right after LOD eliminated was, the Undertaker. Yeah, it was Hulk right after. Kind of yep. like left. <laughs> and I, I, and I looked in the ring. I was like, "Where's Animal?" And he's all the way on the other side of the ring in the corner now. It's like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody tossed him out. Don't know who. But number twenty is Demolition Crush. Number twenty one is Jim Duggan. And I wrote that people loved them some hacksaw Jim Duggan. I mean, the crowd went crazy when he came out. When he got into the ring, he was doing the poses and the punches <laughs> yeah. and the thumbs up. People were losing their minds over Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, like that's WWF did a great job, and uh, maybe it was a different. It definitely was a different crowd too. So uh, that had a lot to do with it. But you know, they did a good job in making these guys seem important, even when they weren't winning yeah. titles. So because yeah, Jim Duggan ain't winning not one title, yeah. <laughs> but he was over, boy. It's big over. I'll tell you that much. At number 22, though, we got Earthquake, who didn't rumble to the ring. He just kind of walked. But (laughs) I'm sure the ground shook when he he came to the ring somehow. (laughs) He promptly eliminated Hawk, or was it would have been Animal? I guess it would have been Animal. I'll put Hawk here. Um, By the way, I I skipped over this part real quick. I want to mention it. Uh, Right after Hawk was eliminated, Mr. Perfect was eliminated by, I think, the Bulldog from a, a dropkick or something. Uh, Mr. Perfect, he went to the top rope for some reason, and then he got crotched, and then I think Bulldog hit him over, and Bobby Heenan's watching, and he turns around and throws the towel, throws, and by the way, during Mr. Perfect's entrance, he threw the towel up behind him, Bobby Heenan's not even looking behind him, but he puts his hand back there and catches it, I always thought that Dope. was the coolest thing ever, because that is the coolest thing like, ever, like, he wasn't even looking, like, I, I don't <laughs> even know if he knew... Mr. Perfect threw it, or maybe he saw it out of the corner of his eye, but the camera angle, you, he wasn't tracking the towel at all, so he, it was just perfect timing. But then when Mr. Perfect got uh, eliminated, he threw it in the crowd. He just like threw it up in the air, and then somebody in the front row caught it or whatever. It was like a cool thing, that little thing that I noticed that I didn't notice before. Yeah, it's, it's dope every exactly. time. My dog is going exactly. crazy right now. Your dog loves it. He- he yeah he's like look this is the dopest thing ever let me tell you is that Bobby Heenan behind you <laughs> is he trying to talk to me <laughs> Randy Savage that's so funny I'm gonna like overuse it at some point but it is what it is <laughs> it's still funny now so yeah. let's get it in while we can <laughs> he is going nuts right now it's, mm. it's, it's 
Gizmo. That's the dog's name, by the way. His name is okay. Gizmo. Based off the, the gremlin, Gizmo. Gizmo was probably and a Mr. Perfect fan. I, he sounds like He's it. pissed that I brought it up. <laughs> that he was eliminated. He, he's, a, he's a Finn Balor fan because he's a little demon. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he's my demonic puppy. And he is doesn't like anybody but my girlfriend and sometimes me. So <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, but no. back to the match. We got Mr. Perfect out at number 23. He eliminates Jim Duggan. And at 24, we got Hulk Hogan. Of course, the crowd goes wild because it's Jim Duggan. <laughs> and then he eliminates one of the members of Demolition. I think it was uh, Axe, right? Smash and Crush. They were, it was uh, Smash. Yeah. It was, yeah, I'll put Axe for some reason. It was Smash. So I don't know why I did that. I, I got it mixed up somehow because, <laughs> you know, they're all wearing the BDS, BDSM <laughs> outfits. They all look the same. Then we got Haku at number 25, Jim D'Angelo Nyhart at 26, and then Earthquake tossed out Tito Santana. Oh, Brian Isley's no. favorite wrestler. No. Not Brian Isley's favorite wrestler, Tito Santana. Oh, another year he doesn't win the Rumble. It's a damn shame. And then we get Bushwhacker Luke at number 27. And then four <laughs> seconds later, he's out. After Earthquake <laughs> tossed him right out, and then Luke just kept right on marching backstage. Yep, that was, <laughs> that was great. And it's been played in highlights about the Royal Rumble ever since. <laughs> so, I mean, you can say, oh, the shortest time is four seconds. But it's like, he, he's that clip is still getting played 30 years later. I'm sure when they do the Royal Rumble by numbers thing, they're going to show that again. Yeah, I'm sure they will. If they have it already so, on their social media feeds. <laughs> right. They do that every year. And it's actually kind of dope when they, when they do do it. I, but, that's one of the video packages I do enjoy when they do it. Yeah, it's always a dope video package. It's just, I mean, it's repetitive, but it's dope. And my dog likes it too, apparently. So, so you got to get him a mic at some point. I might as well. <laughs> He'd be on a podcast talking more than I am now. Jeez. <laughs> Moving on, though, we got Brian Niles of the Nasty Boys at number 28, Warlord at 29, and I just went crush was tossed out so that's what i got here on my nose crush was tossed out at that point so i guess smash was tossed out earlier <laughs> crush smash whatever who cares <laughs> demolition and then warlord gets tossed out by i think it was hogan it looked like it was hogan and then tugboat is out at number 30 but he didn't last that long so <laughs> get him out of here he's out nightheart is out and the haku is out so the final five we got is bulldog earthquake rick martell who's been in there from damn near the very beginning mm. Brian Knobs just got in here, and Hulk Hogan. We're down to the final four when Rick Martell eliminates British Bulldog. But Martell didn't last too much longer. He's out. So now we're down to Earthquake, Knobs, and Hogan. Of course, we know what's going to happen here. We've got two heels, one babyface, that one babyface being the ultimate comeback kid and Hulk Hogan, <laughs> right? So they're teaming up on him. You know, they're beating him up. And then Hulk Hogan eliminates Brian Knobs. Earthquake gets the best of him. He hits his finish, but guess what? That don't mean nothing. <laughs> Hogan pops right back up, and then before I eliminated Brian Knobs, he popped right back up, beating the hell out of Brian Knobs. My girl, but this at this point, after he eliminated Brian Knobs, Hogan that is, my girlfriend was like, "Why is he so dark? Like he is tan <laughs> to the gill, like he's bronze out there." Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, you're right. Like, like, <laughs> like he looks. You look at him, and then look at the other white guys in the ring. It's like, yeah." Yeah, he's like a gold statue standing in there. What he hit the tanning bed or the beach a lot when he was in Miami. Like it was ridiculous. 
Hogan, I don't know if Hogan was ever more tan than I, I, I on don't this understand night. why that was the look back then. Like, what what made it so much better than just a little tan at least? Like, I just ugh, nah, don't understand. As dark that. as possible. Okay, and you know what's funny? In '93, it was the same thing with Ric Flair when he started with like Bob Backlund. Ric Flair was so tan. Bob Backlund was so white. That Ric Flair's hair matched Bob Backlund's skin, and Bob Backlund's hair matched Ric Flair's skin. That's crazy. wild. Absolutely, that's not. wild. And they were both wearing like <laughs> red too. It's crazy. Oh no, <laughs> that's wild. It's like a perfect compliment, you know. You need to cool it on the tanning stuff, <laughs> right? Right? Because again, we talked about this before with Hulk Hogan, right? I forget what show it was when he was like, he was he's so dark that he almost looked black. <laughs> so like, he didn't want to quite go that far, but it's like. You need to cool out on this tanning mm. stuff, bro. I think it was a WCW show when we talked about that. Mm. Um, so, Earthquake gets a better hand again. The upper hand, I should say. He hits his finish. Hulk Hogan hulks up. But before that, Earthquake tried to pin Hulk Hogan. Ugh. And Nora Rumble. So stupid. What the hell, Earthquake? What, what What's going on? You have an Earthquake yeah. in your brain or something? What happened here? <laughs> Why did you try to pin him? Just we, I guess we needed the visual of Hulk kicking out to Hulk up, not yeah, uh, which is stupid. Like there's so many things he could have done. He could have power slammed him, and then not done that, and just have Hulk do it. You know, two seconds later, he didn't have to pin him just so he could kick out. I, I'll never understand that. Yeah, Hulk Hogan hulked up, and then he won because that's what Hulk Hogan the, does. The funny he thing posed. is. Sorry for me. The commentators were like into it the first time he hawked up, but not the second time. <laughs> like he was hawking you know, up, was, and they were just like not even into it. You know what's funny? My girlfriend said the same thing about the announcers. It's that they didn't they didn't get up at all from when Hulk Hogan was hawking up and winning the match. It was just like, oh, he got yeah. him again. Yeah. She's like, this is boring. What happened? <laughs> and I was like, you, you're kind of right. Like it was wild because the next year when it was Gorilla and Heenan. It's the best commentary yeah. ever. Like it's yeah. great. Like the commentary made the match as good as the wrestlers in the ring did. But and like you said, the second time you hawked up, it was just like, oh, here he goes, and he's out. Hulk Hogan wins. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, well, all right. And Hulk Hogan must pose, and he posed for a long time. He grabs some signs, and one of them said, "Peace in the Middle East," which is the exact opposite of why we were going over there. Like we were not going there to create peace. We're going over there to whoop somebody's ass. Yeah. <laughs> You know that's why we're going over there. Which there was is, no no peace over there when we got there. Exactly like the next sign that he showed, <laughs> Saddam and Slaughter will surrender. Like right, I thought you wanted peace in the Middle East. What the hell's going on right. here? <laughs> what's going on here? What's, what's happening here? Um, so some stats, a little bit of stats here. Hulk Hogan became the first man to win the Royal Rumble twice. Of course, the event was only like four or five years old at this point, but he had already got a second win in. Uh, of course, the record for the most victories are held by Steve Austin. He won three times, 97, 98, and 2001. Uh, Rick Martel set a record for the longest time in the Royal Rumble at 52 minutes and 17 seconds. That record stood until 2006, I believe. Maybe a little, I believe it was 2006 when he when that record was broken well, did by Rey Mysterio. Well, a full hour in 04? Uh, let me check because I, I think he was definitely looked his stats one, up. One and uh, I think by that point there was a minute thirty apart, maybe. Or Ray Mysterio had the record in two thousand six when he 
when he won in 2006, he was at an hour and two minutes in the Rumble. Mm-hmm. So is Benoit even listed? He's listed. I got to look up the list again because okay. I, I had it up earlier. That's why I got these stats from. Obviously, that's right. I thought it was so um, weird back then because I thought Benoit okay, here we go. had made the record. And then Benoit did have a red record, but no, the record was actually originally broken. So you got you got a uh, Rick Martel. Mm-hmm. The record was broken in 1993 by Bob Backlund. He was in there for an hour and one minute. Well, that was a waste. So. <laughs> Sorry, Bob. Right. <laughs> so then you got a couple, you know, then 2004, uh, you got Benoit and then Mysterio who had the record. So, But the record, actual record in the Royal Rumble actually to this at this moment is held by Daniel Bryan. Who was in the greatest Royal Rumble for seventy six minutes? What? That's the greatest Royal Rumble because that's a fifty man match. Remember that in Saudi Arabia? Yeah, yeah. That's technically a Royal Rumble match, <laughs> like, right? But <clears throat> was he number one or something? Like, holy crap! No, it was a long ass match. <laughs> like, I don't know if he was number one, but remember, there was fifty people in that match. And it, it was just like a regular rumble. They came down every minute and a half or two minutes yeah, or something like that. Yeah, exactly. It was still a war rumble. I did not That's watch it that the greatest. Uh, all the way through. So I did not neither. I was not here for it at all. <laughs> like, you it was the, the only one rumble. they had, right? The only greatest war rumble? I believe so. I don't think they had another one. Cause I don't recall. So, yes, Braun technically, yes. He had the title belt too, right? Yep. So, and that, man, they, that, that never appeared 70, ever again. 76 minutes. Holy crap. Yeah, hour and 16 minutes. So, yeah, technically the record is currently held by Daniel Bryan, but a traditional Rumble, 30-man match, it's Rey Mysterio, hour and two minutes. So that's kind of what I go by, because I don't really even consider the greatest Royal Rumble to be in in line with the one that happens every January. Right, me neither. It's just not the same, even though it's, it's the same rules and just way more people. But it's just, ah, it's just, they just did that just to appease the Saudi prince. Like, that wasn't like the traditional match. And I guess you could throw in the 40 man match in that traditional line, too. They did in 2011. But to me, and I'm glad they've kept it this way, you know, in January at least. I know they tried to do it again with the 2011 one to try to, I guess, spice it up a little bit yeah. by making it 40 people. And that didn't last at all. Mm-mm. But the thirty, the thirty people are is that's the match. Like that's yeah. to me, that's a perfect number. Thirty people, and you get in and get out. I guess even yeah. for more, a little more than an hour. So yeah, Rick Martel. But on this night, Rick Martel set the record. He lost two years later, but fifty-two minutes and seventeen seconds for Rick Martel. Uh, the shortest time in the Rumble wasn't set by, or it doesn't belong to, I should say, Bushwhacker Luke. Uh, actually belongs to Santino Morella at 1.9 seconds. So yeah, there's a few that, that were like <clears throat> at one. I remember like Jerry Lawler. It was like two or three. Yeah, there's a couple guys. Yeah, I guess I think Luke might have had it at the time. Where it was at four seconds, but yeah, over the years they've broken that yeah. multiple times. I remember but the Santino has... one. He was like, "I wasn't ready." <laughs> yeah, I wasn't ready. <laughs> that was funny. That was really funny. Uh, but. Do you know who has the the record for the most time spent in total in the Royal Rumble? Ooh, uh, Kane. Wrong. Mm. Good guess though. Any other guess? One on the try. John Cena. Wrong again. Wrong again. No. I give up. The dip. 
It's the demo god, Chris Jericho. Oh, wow. Who has told, tallied nearly five hours in the World oh, Rumble. And he hasn't won once. Uh, what a shame. Not, not once. Mm. His longest time in the Rumble was 2016. I'm trying to remember the 2016 Rumble. What was that? That, that was, was uh, Triple H. Triple H. Oh, yeah, yeah. For so, the title. Right. So he that was his longest singular time in the Rumble. He was in there for 50 minutes and 47 seconds. Oh, wow. So there you go. So Chris Jericho, four hours, 59 minutes, 33 seconds. Got to come up with a nickname for him for that. Yeah, the Rumble God. Oh, he Even didn't though win he's one. never, he didn't he's win never one. won one, right? <laughs> Got to like build it up just to tear him down. <laughs> and the only other person that's topped four hours. So Jericho's almost at five. He's literally 30, oh. 27 seconds away from five hours. The only other person to top four hours is Triple H. And he barely got over four. It was four, four hours and 50 seconds. Wow. So, Jericho, in there for a long time. I think, he, wasn't he also in the uh, Greatest Royal Rumble as well? So, that, that probably helped if he was in there for a while. Oh, you know what? Maybe. 50-man match. That probably helped. And he was still there at that point. Yeah. I'm pretty sure he was still involved in that point. But in hmm. WWE, I should say. But, yeah, that is the 1991 Royal Rumble. One of Any my favorite pay-per-views. Of, thoughts. One of my favorite pay-per-views of all time. Of all time, one of my favorites. I think you're saying that for more of sentimental value than the actual show itself. Well, I mean, of course. I mean, I have not. To. Not my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it, it was a decent show. You had a great, great time angle development, great storylines, and, and and without focusing on the war stuff and stuff like that like savage cost and the warrior that's what i that was a big on. deal like that hit him yeah. with the scepter between like in the head and i was like oh my god like that dastardly macho man <laughs> um right. you know warrior try to get at him i thought that was going to be like a a real I, I was expecting a title match between them at, at some point and then when slaughter won it and i remember obviously that storyline of him being number one contender, I'm like, I don't want to see Slaughter and Savage. That's stupid. <laughs> you know, five years old, thinking that's going to happen. But um, you know, even back then, like that that tag opener, like I, I didn't really care for tag team matches back then. But um, it's still a great match. You know, it was just awesome. And the Rumble, one, one of my favorite Rumbles, simply because it was the first one I ever saw. So definitely sentimental value. Definitely a, a good pay per view. I think objectively. Uh, maybe not obviously the best, but one of my all time favorites. Um, the good show. It was a good show. Uh, you know, there was some. We talked about it. All this stuff, the, the fun stuff that we mentioned. Oh, the, the, the virtual uh, turn too. That was huge for me. That was that was it, big. Yeah. That was big. There's a lot of big things that happened on the show. Uh, but you know the quirky little things. But the, the show is always going to be kind of weird because of just the backdrop of the war and how they. Yeah pretty much exploited it i'd much rather watch the 92 royal rumble not just for the match itself but the show overall uh or any show that just didn't have a backdrop I mean, we, could probably, we could probably do that i mean we did the live commentary we could probably do a deep dive which would be a lot longer so and it'll be fun yeah it would be fun though so uh we'll, we might do that we can do that uh but yeah that's 91 royal rumble it was a good show uh i wasn't bored by it like I was maybe at points of extreme rules, our last deep dive. But 
Uh, it, it was a good show, and there's a lot of interesting things to talk about. The war did give us a lot of interesting things to talk about, I'll tell you mm-hmm. that much. Yeah. Um, and it created a crazy backdrop for the show. But, uh, but yeah, that's the 1991 Royal Rumble. Before we wrap it up, Nick, take us out with some plugs, please. You can follow me at Nick McCone on Twitter. Follow us at Shooters Radio on Twitter. And we are on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Shooters Radio. And you can listen to this podcast at ShootersRadio.com, PhillyInfluencer.com, and hopefully PhillyVoice.com. You know, it's been a while since I sent, sent them over and was able to get these up. So hopefully this episode uh, will be up there sooner than later. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I, am I, definitely, at I definitely have to Go make ahead. that part of my, my shtick now and hopefully not overuse it, but I probably will because that's what I do. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think it's I think it'd be funny. So. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am at Vaughn M. Johnson on Twitter. If you can't find me on there, you can find me out here in these streets, but uh, maybe not that much because we're still in the middle of this pandemic. Hopefully... Uh, because we've got a new administration in the White House, we can accelerate this process of vaccinations and get this thing out the way. Because, again, I think no matter what side of the aisle you're on, we all want this to be over. <laughs> we all, mm-hmm. I want to be back on the bar just as much as anybody. <laughs> yeah. So let's do that so I can be back out here in these streets on a regular basis. But And, of course, like I said on episode 268, uh, check out my writing on PhiladelphiaEagles.com Got a big story coming down the pike And of course you can check us out Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio If you want us to you know, Deep dive into a show Of your choosing Head over to Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio Let us know Pay the, the nominal fee And we will fulfill your request We've already done that with Chris Johnson Shout out to Chris Johnson who told us about Extreme Rules 2011 He told us about a couple more shows We'll tell you about those as they come down the pike but we can do the same for you. So make sure you go out there and do it. Patreon.com slash Shooters Radio. For Nippacone, I am Von Johnson. Thanks for listening to episode 269 of The Straight Shooters. And we'll catch y'all again next week. Oh, yeah. Dig it. <laughs>